Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I don't like blood from a house where there's baby sleeping. <laughs> hi, Paul. Uh, hi, Matt. Hello, hello. You know that scream, right? Uh, good to see you again, buddy. You too, buddy. And, uh, and, and what a good reason to see each other. For that's a, true. Kicking off a new season, a mini season. Oh, yes. Right on. That is so true. Uh, when we just did that, uh, you surprised me with that funny scream thing. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of when somebody tells a story that involves yelling but they can't yell in the story uh-huh. so it'll be like and then like my older brother just like stormed in and was like what are you guys <laughs> doing in here and it's like somehow quieter than everybody yeah, else everybody talking else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's like when you do a stage whisper and it's louder than the actual dialogue oh my gosh so like a stage whisper is technically louder than a quiet yell in a story recollection that is true. There, what do you think the decibel level or difference? Are they equal? The would, stage whisper to the fake yell. It may be like an optical illusion where actually the stage whisper is quieter but seems louder. But I would bet that there's a one to two decibel difference between a quiet yell being quieter than a stage whisper. I think you're right too. Uh, optical or uh, uh, ear illusions uh, be damned. Oral, oral illusion. <laughs> oral yeah. illusions be Echoic. damned. Yeah. <laughs> well, Echoic. I know yeah. this is what you thought we'd begin the podcast with. <laughs> this is with Gorley and Russell. Oh, it's, yes. It's the uh, <laughs> the uh, long form cozy cast mm-hmm. where we discuss various horror thrilly, mm-hmm. thrillies. Horror thrillies. Oh, my God. The thrillies. That's the best. The thrillies. We're the munchies. We're the munchies. And uh, I'm Matt Gorley. And, and I'm Paul Rust. And right. this is the beginning of In Ghost Face We Trust <laughs> with Gorley. 
and Russ. With Ghostface and Russ. I cha- you know, it, if there are new listeners, I change my name every season because this started with In Voorhees We Trust oh, with Gorley right. and Russ. Why do I keep goofing it up? That's, you're not goofing it up. I can't ever remember the, um, if you love Jason, fight for me, fight for me. <laughs> no, but it's in Go- Ghostface We Trust with Ghostface and Russ. Because this is the first time we've had a title that has a G in it. So yeah. at first it was Voorhees We Trust with Gorley and Russ. We went for that natural mm-hmm. rhyme. But then we did Halloween and I had to change my name to Geyers to make it work. In Myers We Trust with Geyers and Thank Rust. you again. You're welcome. So so kind and thoughtful. In Kruger We Trust with Gruger and Rust. In Xenomorph We Trust with Genomorph and Rust. <laughs> in Shark Weeks We Trust with Gark Weeks and Rust. Tis the mini season we trust with Giz the mini season we trust. I don't know. Anyway. Well, that was the one I was like really wanted to thank you for because I know that <laughs> took a lot of work at the down at City Hall to do that name change. Yeah, I had to go to County Recorder in Norwalk, California. And this time I walked in and she's like, well, what's the season this time? Uh, <laughs> yeah, because she's not, she's listening to a couple episodes oh, and yeah. isn't a fan. No, so she, she that would help so, grease the wheels, I think. If, if she doesn't like these mini seasons because it's quicker turnover for her. She likes when we're I doing get that. Like, I just Halloween, like it's a lot on their plate, especially yeah. during this time of the season yeah. when people are busy. Most people change their names at the holiday times so they can get more gifts. <laughs> yeah, because then technically your loved ones owe you uh, the gift of what was ever in the last 12 months. For that name? For your th- for that name. <laughs> so if you change your name three times, you get three times uh, or double or triple uh, the amount of gifts. Life hack. Uh, also, hey, who knows? Maybe uh, some people are joining us for the first time because they're big Scream fans, and I know that they exist and they're out there. Oh, so, yeah. so if you're here for us with us for the first time, hey, welcome! Yeah, I think you found a good place because I'm sure we're both Scream fans as well. I think yes. I know you are right, and mm-hmm. uh, admittedly, going into this, I've seen Scream, but it's been a long time. Yeah, and I don't think I've seen a, maybe even a single sequel. I'm not sure. This is what we call just now for the first time perfect perspectives. Yes, we've got the master and the apprentice. The babe lost in the woods who's going to get his first time he's through it. No, I remembered a little about the first, but yeah, you're going to yeah. take my hand through this. And I, this is when I'm happiest, seeing new things, learning new things. That's good. Yeah. Uh, uh, hopefully it won't ever be like a... Um you would never be put in the position of the sorcerer's apprentice style thing where some brooms come to life and make your day a living nightmare. I mean, if I could marshal those brooms and we could get some work done, because we always have a lot of dust on our floors here. I guess if you could marshal those brooms, you'd be able to clean up a lot of the dust. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, but we'll save that for when we do uh, in Fantasia, we trust with Gantasia and oh. Rust. Lori down at the County Recorder in Norwalk, California, just get it ready now. Her ears are burdened. So are her typing fingers. So if you're if you are new to the podcast, or even yeah. if you're not and you'd like a nice little reminder, you can oh, get yeah. so much more to this podcast by going to patreon.com with mm-hmm. Gorley and Rust, where we do feature film length commentaries. Yes. We um mailbag we just, episodes too. Huh? Yeah, mailbag. We yeah. just did a commentary for Ooh. Return of the Living Dead. Right. We're about to do, should we say? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Yeah. And I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose my mind, and I think I like it. I know I like it. I think I love it. Uh, Oh, my gosh. We're going to do a commentary for Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. My choice, right? Uh But still, I mean, just so you know, 
that that Venn diagrams into horror movies. So just if you got any oh. issue with it, go along for the ride, enjoy it. Ooh, that's a good way of thinking about it. Like, hey, um, if if uh, 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 The Shining uh, didn't exist, what would Temple of Doom be? If Halloween or Friday Thirteenth didn't exist, because you know that first uh, when Alfred Molina dies in Raiders of the Lost Ark. When his head has the arrows through the spikes, uh-huh. it looks like a straight up Friday Thirteenth. You're not death. kidding. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. And it came out a year after. I wouldn't be surprised if Steven Spielberg went to the premiere of the Friday Thirteenth, taking <laughs> notes. Yeah. So Shauna's Cunningham took it from Carpenter, and Spielberg took it from Cunningham. Yeah. Now, when do you think it ever got handed off to Wes Carpenter? Oh, yeah. From this movie? From this movie. Name dropped uh, in the probably around the middle of Scream. We need to just do a running checklist of all the little meta notes and nods and references in this movie as we go along. Yes. Uh, um, I never, never meta notes I didn't like. I agree. Yeah. Now, just a tiny bit of business before we begin. Please. A yeah. few episodes ago, we mentioned that Patreon was giving us a tough time properly uh, displaying the people that subscribe at the baby xenomorph level on our Patreon. And the whole deal is if you do that, you get your name read on the podcast. So Mm -hmm. we asked people, and maybe moving forward, this is the best way to do it. If you're a baby xenomorph, and and we're checking on these things, by the way, we're cross-referencing. We have a whole team, so you can't scam us. We, you, come on, buddy. Yeah, You're doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lance. We're going to read the names of the people that might have been missed in the past because we asked them to read it. And we want people getting their money's worth and we want them feeling like they belong. Yeah, like the like uh, um, Sydney Prescott's of the world. Yes. It took me the, a second, but then I realized, where have I heard that? Oh, the movie I watched last night. Okay. <laughs> uh, first Should we of, say some names? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's only uh, – I'll just – there's just a few here. That's oh, why great. we'll do them up top here. Um, uh, da, 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 Fun. Da. That's cool. Lily Hansen. Rich Tola. Scott McCumber. Michael Schultz, who, uh, by the way, uh, happy birthday. It was hey. a little while ago, but again, happy birthday. Lisa Biddulf. I like that last name. Um, and she, I think she was a little tipsy when she emailed. Uh, let's see if there's anything else I need to cover here. And finally, Samuel Charles Watkins. Okay. Great. Oh, Lisa says she needs Paul to know Arrested Development is one of my top five series of all time. And the Netflix seasons are shockingly amazing considering the absurdly high standard for the first three seasons set. So she loves your work on Oh, that's Arrested that's high praise. Uh, of course, it's a collaboration amongst many, many writers, and I just contributed a very, very, very small piece, but thank you. And Scream is her favorite franchise, so she's doubly happy to have her name read on the Scream episode. So, okay. Um, that's cool. That's uh, all the business. Oh, except to say that our – Big horror slasher draft is going up on Patreon on the tw- 28th. Yes. Where you get to listen to us draft the best horror movies we can between Paul, me, and Matt Fraction. And you can vote on which one is going to get red lit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, wouldn't you say a, a jolly time was had by all? Oh, I know for a fact. I know it. It's kind of perfect for the holiday seasons. Oh, season. You know what? We do have one more bit of business because Ooh. on the last episode, 
we talked about whether or not we thought Eyes Wide Shut was a charade, a staged charade. Right, right, right. Or was it a real or was sinister it threat? Truly sinister. And the Patreons have voted. Ooh. Where do you what do you think? Um I gotta I gotta confess, you know, I checked the Patreon, so I, I know where it landed, but uh let I don't know where the final Tally ho. We probably should have offered the option of it being a dream too, because some people seem to have wanted. Oh, like a third option would be dreamy dreams. Yeah. Okay. um, With more than two to one, it is sinister and real is what people say. Although I will say in all of the comments, more people are making an argument for being staged, but on the straight up voting, it's 342 to 159 in favor of sinister and real. Maybe if you uh, feel like you're the underdog, you feel it necessary to de- defend the position. Mm-hmm. Whereas people who are like, hey, we're winning this. I don't have to get into why. Yeah. Um, I did. Uh, and I was the one who thought it was, it was more of a charade. I think so. Yeah. And, and you felt it was like that. So the, the patrons are on your side. Well, I hate to look at it as as you and I are the kids want to spend sides. the weekends with no, you. No, no, we're all spending the weekend together. <laughs> but this will go on the wall of our our list of grievances, including I've already forgotten them. But Prince, that's what's perfect about grievances. Michael Douglas, yes, <laughs> you eventually forget about them, and yeah, uh, uh, people continue. But the uh, uh, but you did say a couple there. If you want to repeat them, Prince and Michael Douglas was Courtney Love in there. Uh, well, I love Courtney Love. So uh, if you don't love don't Courtney, do. don't love. Then, <laughs> uh, wait, uh, what? Well, oh, 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 I was just so remarking, uh, on the poll and just thinking about it some a little bit more. Yeah. I'm not flip flopping here. That's not where this is going. Hey, well, I'm not you, doing you a John Kerry esque. Do you want to hang out with us this weekend? I mean, it seems like you guys are having more fun over We're there. We're having a blast so. over there. <laughs> um, We're having a sex orgy, for crying out loud. <laughs> people are going to die. And, well, hear what I'm about to say, Gourley. I have enough of a feeling in this uh, thought that you might come over to our side. <gasps> just, just consider this. Okay, all right, all right, all right. So, <sighs> don't you think the movie maybe? about like paranoia mm-hmm. and dreams resonates more when it is a charade that Tom Cruise believes was more still believes was more sinister than he was told. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you mean it's, is it a better movie with that? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's a better way of putting it. Or, or, or where do you think the movie's position on this kind of lies in? Like, I do think it's kind of more about like, oh, this guy's kind of losing grip on reality. He's sort of having a crisis in his life and it's like spilling out into all facets of his life. If it is like, oh, there is a big sinister kind of Illuminati group. Then it's just sort of like, oh, he got caught in the gears momentarily. Like... I don't think I necessarily believe in like a powerful group like that. Maybe it's just my own. I see what you're saying. And here's another argument against my own argument that you're so gracious to even do that. Well, I'm just a babbling idiot. (laughs) Me too. When Sidney Pollack (laughs) 
says like what if this was staged or a charade and at first you're kind of thinking like he's doing that uh oh i had this in my brain hold on to kind of say like imagine it is even though it's not that's the way i took it mm-hmm. like Mm-hmm. So you could just go away and not feel like you had any guilt about these people dying. Like I remember, tell yourself, yeah, that. talking about that. But yeah, what yeah, if yeah, it's yeah. actually the opposite? And he's saying, uh, Sidney Pollack knows it's fake, and he's actually trying to just help his friend and go like, like, what if this is? I'm not supposed to tell you this, but would would you would you now just relax a little bit? You know. Yeah, that's funny. I don't know if no, it's making any sense. I, this goes back to what I think we were talking about. That makes a lot of sense. It goes back to like what's difficult. I sitting in the theater the first time hearing that, I believed him. And then you kind of opened up uh, my eyes, uh, mind shut, uh, where I was like, oh, why am I trusting everything he's saying on face value? He might he's making other stuff up. So why isn't he making mm-hmm. this up? And then, uh, um, but that, ad, that goes to like, I guess my original gut feeling of like, maybe he is in that moment trying to help him out with some truth. But that, that is my favorite kind of ambiguity. Cause you've got the ambiguity. Oh, was lost on our list. Uh, of grievances. <laughs> Where I liked it. Yeah, yeah I did yeah, not. Because yeah. I feel like the yeah. ambiguity in Lost is not interpretable very yeah. well. And yeah. I don't think the filmmakers know. I feel like Kubrick is well in control of what he mm. knows, but he's not going to spoon feed it to you. If anything, yeah. he's giving you two spoons or, yeah. or no spoons or whatever the analogy <laughs> is. But there's enough there where you can have it both ways in equal measure. And that's the fun thing is to do the little discussions and, and is a litmus test of who takes whose first reaction is what? Like you and I both had different first reactions. What does that say about ourselves? You're more trusting. I say things more sinisterly. What? I don't know. Well, but that was in the um, poll though. Like people feel like it's, you know, maybe that, that is like the, I don't want to say correct or incorrect. It's just like the human instinct is to be like, I don't know, something's up, something's fishy. But it's, it's, you know, there's plenty of people that, we're willing to take it too. So it's fascinating. I don't know. We haven't usually done a follow-up conversation. Like no, this. It's but nice. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, um, we're almost obligated to with a movie like Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. We didn't for some, uh, uh, reason do that with, um, Jack Frost. Yeah. <laughs> That didn't demand a, a follow-up. Oh, I saw some nuances in the storytelling of Jack Frost. Uh, Jack Frost, the horror movie, not the Michael Keaton father-son. Unfortunately. Uh, three hanky tearjerker, from what I hear. The Michael Keaton one? Yeah. <gasps> really? Does he melt yeah. and die? I have to imagine there's... I just hear it's sad. Really? Yeah, and since that's part of the story, I bet it's like an E.T. thing where it's like, yeah, you're right. I have to go. <laughs> and but I to, know you're grown up enough now to take care of yourself. I have to melt away, but I'll be back again someday. Frosty the <laughs> Next Jackie, winter. the Frostman. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. 
Well, um, what do you think? Should we get into the whole yeah. reason we're here today? Oh, fun, fun, fun. Till the daddy takes the scream bird away. <laughs> it's 1996, Paul. Where Ooh. were you? What were you doing? What, what were the circumstances in which you saw this Wes Craven classic? Okay. I uh, did not see this movie until probably months later when it came out on home video. Me too, I think. Uh, and hey, who knows? This might be... Although it was a big, big hit when it came out. But I think this was a bit of a... Also then went to video and was like... By the time the sequel came, people were fully caught up. If you didn't see it in the theater, you saw it on video. And it took a while to build up of yeah. its hit status, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah, maybe it was like a slow burn. Uh, but so, yeah, let me see. Um, oh, my, my heart was breaking that I was going to have to wait another four years before I was before I could vote in a presidential election. <laughs> So you I couldn't vote for Bob Dole like I was 14. To... Oh, arrest in <laughs> no, peace, I, by the way. Yes, R.I.P.B.D. <laughs> With uh, Jeff Bridges. And... Yes. And what's his name? Uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds? Who's it? Was it Ryan Reynolds? Yeah. Oh. Uh, and uh, no, I would have. I would have wanted a second term for Bill Clinton. Yeah. Uh, uh, what about you? I don't remember other than I think I'm pretty sure I saw it at home. Yeah. On video. And again, this was, I was in grad school at this point. And so I wasn't, this type of movie wasn't like at the top of my list. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think it was really registering with me much. And then mm -hmm. I eventually did see it and remember liking it, mm -hmm. but also being really put off by Matthew Lillard <laughs> at the time. <laughs> Curious to see how you feel uh, 25 years later. Pretty much the same. All right. Does okay. that go up on the list? What's that? Does that go on the list? It will go up on the it list. It will go eventually. on the grievance list? In the sense, if the grievance is when you and I uh, disagree on something, yeah. Then, then, yeah, it might probably is going to go up on the, the okay. list. Sorry. No, you don't have to apologize. I apologize. Uh, the, um, uh, yeah, did you? I saw it on video. Yeah, uh, and with my family uh, all together, we rented it, and I watched it with my my sister was back from college. It's always awesome back having her back home. Uh, we loved Scream. I loved Scream when I saw it. I just like flipped out, and uh, wouldn't you know? Within a few months, I'd have my own. Purchased previously owned copy oh, those from the, the video best. store yes. of Scream. Uh, like and when I go home, I still see Scream on the video cassette shelf at my uh, oh, in my bedroom, and I'm like, I loved Scream. You got to take a picture of that next. Time. I will yeah. right next to like my Boogie Nights, uh, yeah. a previously viewed copy. What well, uh, do you do? You remember any? Did you ever uh, peruse the? Per previously oh, viewed oh, all the time <laughs> yeah i owned a bunch of those that was the only way to do it i think back then right pretty ingenious yeah. to do it that way like as soon as you get over the hang-up of like i can't open the plastic on the video yeah like when i get it outside of that like, but then there were places like i think blockbuster used to shrink wrap them again oh my god well they figured it out <laughs> that's like why they were <laughs> 
<laughs> Genius Kings. Well, I think I was, I liked it fine when it came out, but again, that was not a fault of Scream. I was just in a phase where it was like, you know, when you're just that certain age where you're not, you're not impressed by things, not because they're not good, but because you're not good. You're just like, you just think you are above that or something. And so I liked it so much more this time. But then the different thing this time is that all of the, because I don't think I've seen it since, is all of the meta stuff doesn't land as well because I, it was kind of like I was watching it with fresh eyes. I remembered the beginning Drew Barrymore sequence and yep. I remembered the twist at the end. Uh-huh. I didn't remember anything else. Oh, how fun. And so all the meta stuff was fun to watch, but it doesn't have the like wow factor that it right. had back then. And I remember even appreciating that back then going, yeah. like, wow, this is pretty great because all the Halloween stuff and all the meta yeah. commentary. And now everything's so meta. And so this is such a trailblazer in that sense. Oh yeah, I I was that yeah trailblazer totally with that stuff. I mean, when I was watching, I I, I thought, oh Matt and I are going to maybe have to stress how on the podcast how rare this thing was, even though now to make a pop culture reference to have a character make a pop culture reference is just like in the arsenal of seven other jokes a character can now make on a TV show. It's just like yeah. a given. On top of the fact that your new Halloweens are not only having characters reference pop culture, but they themselves right. are nodding to the original films so in true. a metal way. Yeah. That just like with tableaus and, and callbacks to things like Halloween three, which theoretically don't even make sense in a way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do you, it's almost like a, um, why am I truly blanking on the J.J. Abrams first Star Wars movie? Force Awakens. Force Awakens, which I had a great time watching. Uh, but that's like, if you compare... Because hear this, man. Yeah, man. I was thinking the time period between Halloween um, to Psycho mm-hmm. to Halloween is the same exact 18 years as Halloween to scream. I want to feel old. <laughs> you know, you're a forties kid, 1940s kid. When <laughs> you remember the release of bride Frankenstein Psycho. scares you. Uh, but uh, I did the math. Like nothing's really come out at, 14 years after uh, uh, Scream came out, or 18 years after. Like, I looked at it. It was like 2014. It was like, nothing like reinvention. There's no... Oh, the yeah. um, I checked it out. In 2014, uh, the closest thing you could call a horror movie or a thriller um, is Gone Girl at 17. Whoa. So everything above that is what you can imagine. It's just like IP, repart purposed IP, not an original horror movie. I mean, even Gone Girl is based on a book. The closest is Annabelle, uh, which I saw and I really liked, but that's at number 37. Yeah, nothing revolutionary. So what, has something come along? The only thing I can uh, say, and I think it's like, it is. It, it, It maybe even surpassed what the screams impact was which was i would say in the last like 30 years was like the greatest like in horror movies probably like the biggest impact up until uh, probably get out 
I'd yes. say Get Out, like That's winning right. an Oscar for best screenplay. Absolutely. And yeah. just the way it impacted, like, it was probably the last movie, again, even more than Scream, the last horror movie where people who wouldn't normally go to horror movies would was seeing it because it just became such a cultural like juggernaut. Yeah, and it took a fresh take too and adding the social aspect of it too where Scream added the meta aspect and Halloween was put it in the suburbs and everyone is in yeah, danger. Right. And, yeah. I mean maybe um the and that is interesting to put them in that cuz Psycho is like Oh, it's not a castle. It's a roadside motel. Yeah. Halloween is scary because it's not a castle or a roadside motel. It's your neighbor's house. Scream is just like, yeah, kind of going off that. But what was the last one you just mentioned? The uh, 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 Psycho or um, Get Out? Get Out. What's awesome about that is like it is in a house a domestic space. It's not a castle though. Yeah. It's not a roadside motel. It's not your neighbor's house. It's like the house you're staying at and the people under the roof with you are the sinister ones. It's like, it keeps inching closer and yes. closer and closer. And it's also like 18 years is basically generational. So you're kind of getting ah. some revolution every generation where you have to either add something new or filter it through a new lens or turn it on its heels for because horror and comedy have to feel fresh or else there's no reveal, there's no joke. So true, yeah. No punchline. And but so, the reinvention of it demanding it every 18 years is exactly that because it's like a if you look at the name Loomis, which is there's a character yeah. Loomis in Psycho. Right. He's the boyfriend uh of Janet Lee who later comes and rescues her. Uh <laughs> Is Dr. Loomis, the doctor who goes and finds, tries to find uh, Jamie Lee Curtis to uh, save her. And the uh, uh, third one, uh, Scream, Billy Loomis. Yeah. Yeah. um, And in the original draft of Get Out, they were going (laughs) to take all their little house prisoners and put them in a giant weaving machine. And the whole catchphrase was, "Don't, don't loom us. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so I had always heard that Loomis thing, but I didn't know it was because it was a reference to the to the Loomis. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, but it is. I mean, it's just the coolest thing in the world that this movie like has Halloween on TV and the score playing. Yeah. It's so. But what you were saying about being uh, at an age, and you know, I was if I saw this. After it came out in theaters, December 96, I was probably like 16 when uh-huh. I saw it. And I do think there's something happens in college where before college, when you watch a movie, if you get what the movie's saying, you're like, well, I feel smart. Yeah. And this movie's smart because of that. We're all smart. <laughs> and then after college or something during college, I, it's true for me. If I see, if I go to a movie and uh, I get it, they're trying to make a point and I understand that point. I'm like, fuck you. This movie's so stupid. Yeah. If I could tell this, it's the, yeah. Yeah. Or it's so on the nose. Why are they like trying to like telegraph? I get it. You don't need to like. So I could see Scream particularly maybe being like, I'm 16. I'm grooving on. I know the rules of movies. Oh, they're talking about the rules of movies. Whereas like, yeah, by the point you lived, they'd be like, 
Yes, I've thought about this before. This is a yeah. We talked think, about this for a few years that, now. That's a better way of articulating what maybe my reaction to it was. Where it, I wouldn't have called it revolutionary. I would have called it uh, novel in a way that was clever and fun. But mm-hmm. it does. I hear it bandied about like it is this just revolutionary movie. I don't know that it's quite that it's and not because no, like because it's not even trying to be it's yeah just, it just wants to have fun and i think that's true there was a lot of talk at the time of like wait till you see this you know poof, your mind's gonna be blown i was, see yeah and i think delivered through the vessel and we can get into this of at times matthew lillard was making me cringe mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i did like it don't get me wrong here's a major discussion i want to have about this movie because yeah I watched the opening scene with Amanda last night and she knows and loves this movie. Mm. And she's like, this is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Especially that, that Drew Barrymore opening Oof. is yeah. pretty scary. Yeah. But I don't find this movie scary in the least. And the only times I do is slightly mm-hmm. with the Drew Barrymore thing, but I find the voice on the phone to be a little too comic. And again, this mm-hmm. none of mm-hmm. this is a criticism. I really No, like no, no, no. I, I'm hearing you on this. The only time I find it scary is when the Halloween music is playing. <laughs> and I, uh, some of that has to be age when I saw it. Like I saw Halloween, it's so mm-hmm. formative a year. Amanda saw this, she's younger, when she was more formative in her years. And um, also I think a huge part of it is, well, obviously it's partially comedy too, no doubt, but the cinematography is so, so bright, bright. And I yeah. think about, I know I'm not the first to arrive at this, but if this movie had a Dean Cundy working on it. Mm-hmm. I know it would dampen some of the comedy and some of the fun, but at the same time, I would love to see yeah. shot with a little more sinister look Cund- to it. Cundy shadows. Yeah, with the Cundy flare. Yeah. So what what are your thoughts on that? Am I missing something? Is it is it meant to be bright because it's a comedy? Is it just following the look of the time? Do you have more insight on that? Yeah, I think that, you know, it's funny, the in terms of the its impact and revolutionariness, like it actually is pretty shallow. Like some movies came after it. If anything that got like that it impacted was just like how to package a horror movie for the next five years. It's like, Oh, you get uh, an actor from a UPN Show or a, a CW or a, yes. sorry WB right <laughs> show someone from Dawson's Creek yeah <laughs> you get hot young actors I, I don't mean even hot physically I just be like oh they're yeah, they're in the industry yeah. they're it you put them in a movie and it makes that movie seem cool but none of them ever even came close to like what they might like make some references here and there I think like uh uh. That urban legends movie, the both of them are not a, nearly as good as Scream, but like they're aspiring for that more than yeah. like a lot of these movies. It would just be like, yeah, having a similar looking cast with kind of like they'd maybe say a couple things that were a little like winky, but yeah. <laughs> that impact is like a little, and the revolution is a little overblown because you look at it like, well, what came after? It's not that, and it's clearly not trying to be that because it. Scream actually, I think, wants to have its cake and eat it too and does very well because it also does have an element yeah. of that shallow, fun, playfulness yeah. in both ways. It really rides the line so well, I think. Yeah, and you, but like, if anything, maybe it was like, a, it made it that you couldn't make a earnest 
slasher movie for a while. Yeah. You'd seem like an you idiot. You really couldn't. You couldn't. Yeah, you really couldn't. So uh, I just said you really couldn't about four. No, like but I love it. Feel like with the the only thing that maybe came out of it is like I love like the final destination movies, and that is like a. a it's not like scream at all, but it's basically going like, okay, young cast, they get picked off one by one. You've called out that you can't do slashers any like normal killers. So we got to come up with this cool idea. And then I would do that franchise. Cause I don't think I've seen a single one. <sighs> My nineties horror gaps are is huge. Nineties so, horror gaps. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was like a couple of the, um, people's chest and stomach in this movie. Some nineties horror gaps oh, were like, yeah. 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 Uh, the thing that I was going to say about the, uh, it's not scary. The first time I watched scream, uh, the next day, somebody was like, wasn't oh, that scary? And my sister Amy went like, no, it's not scary. And I remember when her saying that it made me reflect on like, oh, I was never scared last night when I was watching Scream. It is like an interesting thing about Scream that it's not, maybe because they are calling out the game a little too much. I mean, there's some stuff where they call out the game and I'm just like amazed the like, like at the very end, that's sort of a microcosm of what the movie can pull off where like, Randy goes like, now for the killer to come back one more time and surprise you. And then he bounces up and it surprises it's, me. Yeah. I'm like, God, that's what's amazing about this movie. They can call it out and still deliver. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, 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 at the same time, so I get scared when I'm watching it or have like, it's more like a ride. Yeah, you're right. It is. It's more like a haunted house. Like, yes. like you go into, not in a movie. No, exactly. It's like then you never they... feel real threat. No, and and it's obvious that you know the comedy is obvious, especially with Ghostface because he's like a doofus. He's always he's basically Matthew Lillard falling down all the time. And I know that they struggled. I read up about this a bit about how much of the like pratfall Ghostface stuff to keep in there because you're losing oh. riding the line of it not being scary anymore. And you know that was fascinating. That's my main gripe when I was rewatching Scream this time. I'm just like. The way Ghostface moves is just like not. Are you talking about me or the character in the movie? Oh, the Ghostface we trust with well, Ghostface. Well, I just changed my name. So, right. Yeah. Um, sorry, let me distinguish that. The character Ghostface in the movie. Gotcha. Thank you. I would never know say okay. that about you. Okay. Uh, I think you move beautifully. Thank you. Thank you. But like, you know what I think the he suffers a little bit from with Ghostface. Tell me, you've probably seen this on a set. Hey, look, we've said we love stuntmen on this podcast. We've, oh, yeah. We oh, yeah. add up the words we've talked about. We love them. We love them. They're great. Yeah. But have you ever noticed like when a stunt guy has to show you how to react to a stunt? Not when they're going to do it, but they're showing you how to. Uh-huh. This is what you got to do to pay it off on a, on a set. They're just always a little like 10 degrees cranked into cartoon. I know, to dance cartoon. Yeah. Yes. yes. Dance cartoon. A hundred percent. And when I see Ghostface making those attacks, I see Stuntman dance cartoon. I agree completely, especially when he has to do the prep falls because he's thinking like, I've got to do a cartoon fall. Yeah. Yeah. It's not what I think is like my favorite is like Friday the 13th part two, where it's just like... That is a dude with a mask on running as best he can with a mask on and then clumsy when it's clumsy and not when it's not, like, it's just like, 
really believe it. Yeah. Uh, Leatherface is good too. And uh, yeah. uh, obviously Michael is oh, like yeah. the, the best. That really is why those work so well. Cause the person's just like, for lack of a better term, acting naturally, but within those circumstances yeah. and not doing a, it is a, a mistake that they do that. And it's also like knowing it's Lillard. Yeah. You do, it does kind of unconsciously like spoil. You're like the whole time you're just like, if you thought about it, you'd be like, there's only one guy around here that tall moving around that <laughs> stupid. <laughs> um, that talking about the first time I saw it though, that whodunit aspect like bowled me over. Really? I didn't know that the movie was going to be a whodunit. Uh, so when it began as that, I was like, oh, that's cool. Cause I had seen. Friday the 13th movies, and I knew the first one was kind of a whodunit. But outside of that, I'm like, oh, this is really a Giallo's do them now. Like when I see Giallo's, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's the whodunit aspect. That's really fun in a slasher. And were but. you satisfied by both Skeet's motivation, having one, and then Lillard actively not having one other than peer pressure, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think... I think there's an unsaid reason why Lillard, what his motivation was. The homoeroticism? Yeah. Don't you yeah. think he has like yeah. a crush on Billy or something? Yeah, definitely. He wants to like, it's cool. Um, yeah. I mean, it does have that like almost, this is horrible, but like the Columbine feel of there's one leader. And you took the words right out of my mouth, yeah. what I was going to say, except for the, this is terrible to say. I was just going to go <laughs> run right this into it. This is great to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is when I was watching, I was like, this is wild. This came out two and a half, December 96 to April 99, two and a half years before Columbine, because mm. not just in coincidence, but like this movie's like thrust for the last like 15 minutes is we are kids who watched horror movies. Yeah. We were inspired and influenced by them. And that is why we're killing people. It's like, what the conservative viewpoint of R-rated movies were. Except they, they also cover that too. Cause what does he say? Like horror movies don't make psychos, psychopaths. They just make psychopaths be more creative or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I forget what yeah. it is. Yeah. But, oh, the, but the, when Columbine came out, that was the thing. It was like, and did you ever see Elephant? The, no. <laughs> but they make those two characters homoerotic and have like a semi gay relationship. Uh -huh. um, and then when that came out, people were like, Hey, the Columbine kids were never killers. were never gay, but there must be something that people presume about some, whether it's acted upon or not, there's some just like, must be some great intimacy between two adolescent yeah. men who want to kill people. I together. know it's a mistake to say it has to be homosexuality. It's more, I think of a Svengali like uh, spell. One person casts over the other, regardless of whether they're attracted oh, 1, to 1000%, each other. dude, you're right. Yeah. And it's a thing that you see in micro when you're growing up all the time, like big brothers, yeah. little brothers, or just, one guy shows up to the group wearing a type of shirt, then all the guys start yep. wearing that. <laughs> like, it's just like, uh, yeah, the um, that's interesting. The um, yeah, with Billy's motive, uh, oh, 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 what I was just gonna say with the Columbine, uh, the final kind of like irony of it is Scream 3 
is so, I'm not spoiling anything, it's just so bloodless mm. and so goreless. And so if you watch Scream and Scream 3 next to each other, you'd be like, this one's R-rated, this one's like PG. Because it's, it's post-Columbine? Yes. Ugh. In fact, like post-Columbine, like we have to continue re-editing this movie because this is a on record. I'm not just speculating. You can read like there's newspaper uh, reports about it. Like uh, Hollywood's fat was in the fire post Columbine. Yeah, right. And so they were re-editing movies to make them less like bloody. Right. And so this kind of weird circuitous thing that it's like, Oh, scream kind of seems to predict the Columbine things. And then scream three has to be like <laughs> treated with kid gloves. Yeah. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Wow. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, should we the top of top of top of line thoughts, uh, Gorley headlines for um, you? Are there any more? Uh, nothing. I think that's it for me. What was you know like when the credits went up? What was your feeling compared to your first view, or what was your feeling in isolation to the first viewing? I liked it more this time. Okay, because I'm more comfortable just enjoying something. <laughs> uh, but the it's weird. It's like the opposite. When the in the beginning it was like you gotta see Scream. It's amazing. And I was like kind of like, oh yeah, impress me. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. This time it's like it has this history and it's revered. And I was a little bit like now it's a little overhyped for me. I really I get it, like yeah. it. But you never got a moment when it wasn't like hyped up. Yeah. And yeah. so also this time I knew the ending. I wish I could just see it with fresh eyes and I know I would love it. And I do like it. I really do yeah. like it. I, I feel like I'm being, I'm coming across the wrong way. Like no, that. I think it's more because I'm like idolizing it. So anything that like is. Yeah. No, I want to go along with that because I really do like it. I, I think I've, I've mitigated my response unfairly at this point. So yeah, but the, um, I think that movie is like really hinges a lot on surprise and yeah. And I fully got it. Like watching it on video with my family, I heard scream existed. I knew it was like a cool oh, movie nice. that came out, but, and I knew like, Oh, there's a character who goes, there's rules in horror movies. And you know, like I knew that sort of stuff, but to hear a character reference the Richard Gere gerbil story, I like a, a few, it's I like jaw dropping. Actually, uh, Jamie Kennedy was one of my favorite things in this movie. Oh, he's my favorite part of. I did. Screen, I was surprised by that because movies, you kind of yeah. know he becomes a certain, you know, and he could if, in the way you don't like Lillard, Lillard, <laughs> Sir Lillard. <laughs> he Lillard. He could have veered into that territory yeah. for you, maybe. Real quick before we begin, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on the cinematography? Do you think it is oh. good or oh. do you think it um, – because I know the cinematographer is also fired near the end. Interesting. For like literally out of focus shots and things like that. <laughs> they call over to the office and they're like, uh, uh, we think the cinematography is crap. 
And then they look at him and he's got like his glasses <laughs> hanging off his face. He's like, it looks good to me. <laughs> he's got his necktie like mistied and hardly tucked in. <laughs> Can you tell me how to get to Fifth Street? I can't. How dry I am. Also, before you even tell me. I like Marco Beltrami. I like the score, mm. but I read too that he was kind of going for almost like more like a Western than a horror movie. I'm just yeah. imagining this movie with a scary score. Yeah. This has a like uh, dramatic score, but it, I didn't find it's it. It's got two strikes against it. Scary score and not scary cinematography, which are like big, big mood setters. I'm just saying things. I would love to see the version that. It's probably because they, it would be fighting against what this movie's trying to some of its more unfortunate aspects, which is like, no, 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 Courtney Cox is in this movie. Don't worry. Somebody from friends. Like, it just seems a little like so scared to be seen as a slasher movie. Cause they seem like, well, those were also kind of really tired at this point. So they didn't even, even if they're doing a satire, they probably don't want to get too close to it for fear that it wouldn't be received. Well, I was going to say like 1996 couldn't be maybe like a lamer time to have a synth score. Now everybody knows it's like the the way to go with a horror movie. It's just like the coolest thing in the world. It just like sets a mood, not for every horror movie, of course, but just like, yeah, I do. Uh, when I was watching it, I didn't think it was too bright, but now that you say it, there are hardly even the one scene that jumped at yeah, the one scene that jumped out at me, and now I realize it was because it was actually playing with like this sort of stuff, which is all over in Halloween, like shadows and light. So, uh, when Henry Winkler is walking through the office, and there's light coming through the um, uh, blinds. Oh yeah. I was like, ooh, I was like taken back. I was like, that's really cool. That was nice. And then it must have taken me back because I hadn't really seen shadows yet, which no. is like a crazy thing not to have in the movie uh, or just not much atmosphere. And then uh, the, uh, uh, I'm such a dummy with lenses and the names of lenses. And what oh, they, me too. Uh, but I know John Carpenter uses the same scope. Mm-hmm. For all of his movies, and they it makes movies look big and cool. The one tendency is it has and you'll see it sometimes in Carpenter movies where things kind of like start bending just a the slightly. Anamorphic lens. Anamorphic. It's, it's on this movie too. You see it in this movie. Yes. Yes. I saw it in this movie, and I thought, oh, is that the is Wes Craven going like? Halloween, that's what we're really kind of basing this on. That was shot in Panavision. What is that? Or would I you believe say? it's anamorphic. Anamorphic, it's sorry, wide, sorry. Le- wide angle lens, at least. Yeah. yeah. What I thought was cool was, um, I doubt this... I, no, this couldn't have been intended because it's a goof. Nobody wants to call attention that the front frame is bending. I just thought it was... The time I noticed it most was in a group photo, or a group photo, group frame, when they were all watching... Halloween on TV. So you see Halloween like cut off in the square television. Yeah. Totally draining of its full cundiness, baby. But then when it cut to the people watching it, I saw it started like people bending off the sides. I was like, is this anamorphic? Oh, Halloween shot. It was just a weird catch up. I noticed it in the bathroom where the toilet started bending on the periphery. 
Oh. The, like, school bathroom. When, oh, and she's listening in on the yeah. cheerleader? I didn't notice it there. That's interesting. Um, the, um, Double check that. When you, I doubt, um, or who knows, I, I have no eye for this, but the um, <clears throat> Nightmare on Elm Street being shot um, in anamorphic or not. But uh, the um, Wes Craven, you know, we covered Halloween. We covered Nightmare on Elm Street. This was initially offered to John Carpenter. Oh. And he he passed. Um, Interesting. And so then Wes Craven said yes. And if you think about it, like, when we watched Nightmare, we were like, this is clearly, like, He's taking Halloween as like, we all know Halloween and this is my reverse on it. It's not like, yes, it's going to be in a neighborhood, but it's going to be in your mind, baby. Yeah, yeah, baby. Uh, but <laughs> Scream wouldn't exist without Halloween either. So our man Wes Craven, even though I love him, he's dipped his beak twice in Halloween waters. Yeah, this guy true. is making quite, he's buying that house you went into by dipping <laughs> his beak into, <laughs> yeah. into Halloween. Um I think who's to say because you can't imagine these sorts of hypotheticals or you would never know, but I do think Wes Craven is better for Scream than John I Carpenter. I completely agree. He would John Carpenter. I feel like wouldn't he'd either fight the wit or he would find humor in other areas that aren't really on point with what Scream's trying to do. No, car humor is not Carpenter's strong suit. And, yeah. I mean, he has funny there. parts in some of his movies. Yeah, the but, thing. Yeah. And, but I even feel that's a little bit more Kurt Russell. Mm -hmm. you Big can, Trouble, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I totally agree. This would be a weird Carpenter movie. Yeah, I think Wes Craven's like, really, this is fantastic filmmaking. Yeah, he's and he's really good at humor, I think, too. He gets yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. He said something really cool. I think I might have talked about it when I were in Elm Street. He was like, oh, having... Um, uh, children of my own teenage kids while I'm making these movies are so helpful in uh, terms of like music choice and how like and uh, oh my god uh, never again will rock and roll be like the predominant soundtrack on a youth oriented movie anymore oh my but god. this is the last days of like you're gonna hear like uh, well, a cover of Blue Oyster, Blue Oyster Cult, which is also used in Halloween, Halloween as well. That's yeah. right, yeah. When it's with um, uh, when Amy and uh, 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 Lori are driving to babysitting, yeah. they're listening to it. And then with this one, it's when Cindy and Billy are making out. And it's like some kind of uh, shoegazing 90s indie <laughs> folk. Yeah. Yeah, who else did I hear? Uh, uh, that song's like... Drop dead gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, I don't know who that is, but uh, yeah. I mean that's the other thing. If we ever go and revisit these hunk of late nineties post screen movies, the best just soundtracks oh. of the world, oh, just God, like yes. shitty oh, yeah. Creed music played in the background oh, of Dorms. Tell me all your thoughts on God. Oh my God, because you'd really like to meet him. Uh, hold on, you didn't listen to the song, friend. What? I wasn't finished. There's still more to this chorus. Okay. Cause I'd really like to meet her. Thank you. Her? Yeah. This is Tell the me 90s. all your thoughts on God, okay? Uh-huh. Cause you'd really like to meet him. What I, did you say? I can't believe that's your question and not what does your band Dishwalla mean? 
<laughs> hey, I'm still getting over Hoobastank. <laughs> Dishwalla Hoobastank. I liked when we had bands like the Crickets. Dishwalla Hoobastank, Harry Truman, Doris Day, Red <laughs> China. Um, should we take a pee break and then really dive into this? Yeah. Uh, and I think we've got the most simple pee pun. <gasps> It's. I mean, I'm sure it'll come to you. I just thought of Peem? it. Peem? Well, that's good, too. <laughs> Change one letter. Scramp? Scrapam? Change the C. Stream. Yeah. Wes Craven's stream. stream. Yes. All right. We'll be right back. <laughs> With Wally. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. With Corley and Ryan. Now, uh, Matt? Yes, I'm not even at the mic. Uh, Well, this is because it's such a burning uh, issue. Um, You said John Carpenter uh, has some funny moments, but uh, I just want to refer to you to exhibit M for Memoirs of Invisible Man (laughs) during the Chinese food eating scene. How funny was that, my friend? I'm trying friend? to remember. Do you just see it going down his esophagus? And No, it's way more baffling. It's that, <laughs> you know, when you're invisible, you would have no understanding of where your hands are. <laughs> so you just shove chopsticks and they the food never gets in your face because you don't know oh, where your mouth is in relationship to your hands when Chevy you're Chase because he yep. has a his own brand of humor a whole genre called hand acting comedy yes you're kills right kills me every hey. time he does it I don't remember if that's any good but no it is funny when he does it but it's <sighs> dampened probably by your <laughs> yeah in vacation when he asked cousin Eddie how much he needs for a loan and he's like getting cash out of his wallet and and cousin Eddie says some astronomical number his little like fits his hand his little finger fits of trying to put right. the money back in oh god that is so I'm so seeing that in my mind right now I know exactly what you're talking about and he is a very funny hand like so funny. he does like hand pratfalls he really does my friend James is like James Bladen is a Chevy oh. Chase hand acting impressionist, where he will specifically do his little moments, and he's he can 
That it, is, it's just, oh my God, to see that would be mind blowing. Uh, so great. I also really love Chevy Chase's, um, if he does physical pratfalls, hand pratfalls, uh, mouth, verbal prex, yeah. you know, and it's like, uh, I think it's still like, talk about revolutionary and the land shark sketch, oh, what yeah. it's like, what's your name? When he goes like, Mr. Harmer, Harmer, Harmer. That's like still very <laughs> funny. <laughs> like, so he thinks they can get away with that. <laughs> Golden Age Chevy Chase. And yeah, him messing up his name's John Cocktail. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God! Very. Hey, um, Chevy Chase, R.I.P. I know, in a way. <laughs> yeah, gone yeah. too soon. Yeah, but uh, hey, most people don't give us any sort That's of true. gold, and he, he gave lots. Chevy's That's gold, true. we call Chevy's gold, Uli's gold, ooh, so, Chevy's gold. Logo, loco. You got your Dimensions film logo. Yeah. Very. That's in some of those later Halloweens, right? Yeah, you know what? I think just a stone's throw a year back, they just they had released Halloween Six, uh, Revenge of not Revenge, uh, Curse of Michael, Curse Myers, of Michael right. Myers. Yeah, uh, they bought the Halloween property, which partly made me wonder why if that's how they can use the images and mm, music a little more probably. because it was owned by Dimension at oh, this I'm point. Sure that's right. Um, but you think about what a jump that is. Yeah, for a lot of people. Bottom of the barrel a little bit is like, oh, they're making a Halloween six mm -hmm. and runes in the hallway are making them stop. Uh, but a year later, you're having like a full on, like you're talking about Halloween and it seems hip. I also challenge anybody to laugh at runes in the hallway and and also put some runes in your hallway and just see if you can get past them. Look, you can't. Uh, when I make fun of the runes in the hallway... It's like a tittering, I'm nervous, uh -huh. I'm just trying to like deflate its power. I get it, me, me too. Because I believe I've been there when I wake up in the middle of the night and I go to pee and there's some runes in the hallway. You have to hold it. I turn right back around and I wet the bed. <laughs> <laughs> and it's easy it. when you get the runes scared, yeah? Because you put runes in a room, you can go around them. There's enough room to go around them. Oh, I mean, there's a reason the runes are in the hallway. There's no way to get by. You'd have to crawl on the ceiling. And Michael's not a xenomorph. He's a Michael. He can't get past him. What's the problem? Runes in the hallway. So like an Elvis Presley, like latter day Elvis Presley. We're in the runes in the hallway. <laughs> uh, the, yes, the logo, loco. So... Yeah, Dimension is pretty cool. But you could see this interesting arc where they put out part six, it tanks Halloween. Mm -hmm. Then they're like, we got to get something else. We get Scream. And then Halloween H2O is so immediately influenced by Scream that they're like, that's the blueprint from now on going forward. Everybody knows it. Love that. That's so true. The same studio that like released a shitty version, released the calling out not necessarily Halloween, but just that it'd become exhausted. Yeah. And then it's like two years later, Halloween H2O comes out. It's like, no, it's back in business. Yeah, start Fuck it you. Up. <laughs> just put enough of that scream nonsense in there. And we'll I did appreciate it. that scream did kick that off that like when I was in high school for the next two, three years, we were sort of guaranteed like a new 
horror movie every other mm. week yeah, or once a that's month. Right. And it was right on. I mean, like I was going to see, it was what I hoped for when I was a kid, which that's was like great. Halloween, <laughs> uh, Halloween movies coming out. Scary movies are coming out and we're going and seeing them. I'm actually envious of that because that came out in a time when a, I wasn't going to the movies that much. And even then I was too highfalutin, I think to go to those movies. Uh-huh. How great. To have ho- you're in high school and every week or two one oh. of those movies is coming out and you're just having a blast. Watch. Was it a '98 oh. or '99? I remember seeing. I s- still know what you did last summer, and you know how I don't know if you've ever heard somebody say this. Like, um, you can't necessarily um, value or or judge um, women's women filmmakers, female filmmakers work in an industry by just counting the successes. Yeah. Like just by going like, no, Patty Jenkins made a Wonder Woman. Sexism is over. So uh, somebody I was sort of argued like, oh no, real sort of breaking the, uh, the glass ceiling is they can do what a man does, which is make like, shitty movies too and sometimes you still get to bounce back from them like one disappointment doesn't mean you can never get to make a movie again um so uh that's like when you've really like broken through is when there can be shit Mm -hmm. but hey everybody makes shit so uh that's how i felt when i watched i still know what you did last summer i remember sitting there and being like i've watched these on video these kind of like shitty sequels where they just it's the same thing. They're just now at a private resort in the Caribbean. Oh, right. I was like, huh. Oh, I've gotten ripped off here. <laughs> and in, in, in a way, I remember fighting comfort in that. That yeah. I was like, oh, they make enough of these that you now, yeah. they've broken through enough that you get ripped off. Yeah. And it's not just like, oh, really, really great ones are the only ones that you can go and see. Yeah. The great <laughs> ones are now the. Ex- or uh, exception yes. to the rule. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I found interesting the titles come up, and it seems that this movie was made and put together before they had decided on all their marketing and branding because the, the titles look nothing like what we think of when we think of Scream because it has a very simple but distinct block lettering. Oh, you're preaching to the lettering. converted here, yeah. Gorley. Every time I see that, weird that see. font, I don't like it because I'm like, you're. it's so ingrained what the font is because of the marketing. And it's like, it's like a Raiders of the Lost Ark. None of that Indiana Jones font is anywhere near that movie. It's this kind of like the first one, right? serif Roman type. Mm-hmm. And But you just think of that red and yellow adventure lettering that came around for Temple of Doom. And then Last Crusade, they go back to that That's simple true. type. It's on the posters, but it's not in the yeah. movies. Yeah, it's fascinating. The uh, very fascinating, and like the uh, you could almost look at it like because when you were saying, oh, the marketing wasn't fitting in at the same time as the editing and stuff, you can almost like mark a movie where marketing and filmmaking became perfectly synthesized yeah. when Lethal Weapon Two opens with that beautiful like red two written font and then like going through that logo now that's the same logo you're seeing in posters you're seeing in the movie and that's because that movie was built just to be this like awesome marketing machine and that's warner brothers you've got the looney tunes theme playing basically around that moment too 
because that movie opens on that and they're doing like cross synergy Fuck, through all yes. their platforms. And, oh my God. And especially with what, you know, Scream kicked off a trend in movies, but I would say even more oppressive was its visual branding and the way every single mm-hmm. poster, mm-hmm. even going beyond horror movies, had to have a certain tableau of busts of the actors the hot teen young actors you know but actors who um they're not in costume in the poster they're like photo shoot yes and i have a theory about where this came about like scream i think a lot the big river it goes back to is halloween but the other river it kind of travels in is pulp fiction and Uh, tarantino yes that's right do you remember the pulp fiction promotion when the picture of the ones that really were like cool were Uma Thurman, John Travolta, uh, uh, Samuel Jackson, and Bruce Willis are all kind of wearing like the same black. Yes, that's right. It's not in costume. Yeah. It's like an Annie Leibovitz yes. photo shoot. Now, my, Miramax made that. That was a huge hit. The whole way it's presented is like, this is cool. This is hip. So yeah, any Miramax movie, uh, uh, Scream and the Scream sequels were always, even now, uh, it'd be interesting to see what the new poster is like. But the, yeah, what is that? It's like- Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the advent of Photoshop too. So you're you're moving to digital editing oh. of images where- Typically, movies have been paintings even up to that point. Mm-hmm. There were photographic paintings, and you could do photo collages with hand layout and stuff. I think that's a big part of it. And because the versatility of doing someone separate at a photo shoot and then just photoshopping them in and different things meant you could do a poster with one photo shoot, a banner ad, a billboard. All these things were oh, man. interchangeable. I was scanning through Christmas movies the other night and there was all these shitty, you know, Christmas movies. And there was one, I think it was Vivica Fox and she was wearing this black and white blazer and she had her hands on her hip and there was a guy behind her and they were both clearly shot in different places. And one of them, she was on a cruise ship on the deck of a cruise ship. And I get like four movies down the line and it's a different movie with Vivica Fox and it's the exact same photo of her in the same exact outfit with a different guy in a different background. And it's just I don't know if it was the same studio and they're just like use the same thing or she's like has her press photos and she's just like, here, I'm not coming in for a photo shoot. Use this photo. That is fantastic. I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. Stuff. And, and the way that screams posters took over is in the same way that that descending baseline is in every trailer <laughs> and the slowed down mm. song sung by a young woman. Mm-hmm. And the quick before the big loud sound at the end. The what? The quip, the quiet quip before the big loud sound at the end. That stuff truly drives me crazy. And then I drive Amanda crazy because I always have to like react to it and go, you know, like, why doesn't someone, why don't they want something new? And it has nothing to do with the director. The director doesn't even know. It's just some marketing team putting this stuff together because they have metrics on how it will work. And it drives me crazy. I feel, I would drive my friends crazy when I'd go and see the movies. I would have to make a sound at the reaction of a trailer that it was giving me. And I had to be told it was like embarrassing and don't do like a comedy when a really corny joke is being sold is like hilarious. I would be like, ha ha ha. Like just obnoxious, but it's cracking me up right now. But um, similar to you and Amanda, like, uh, I talk Leslie's ear off when commercials are on about how much I hate 
commercials yeah. and like the editing and the the overused grammar. Mm. Uh, it's the same complaint about trailers. It's just like, God, they really think we're still falling for these fucking tricks. Huh? You and I have talked about how much we hate internet speak and it's the same thing of, you know, all the feels and, you know, yeah. no, you're crying and asking for a friend. And, Oh, I think, yeah, partly, um, anybody who, uh, um, is involved in marketing is just the conduit to like teen speak. Yeah. And, and that person's, um, comfort level with like ignoring their gag reflex and having to repeat that stuff to old corporate people. When we were talking about the eyes wide shut thing, like distrust and like, who do you just trust? It got me just thinking like, um, I wouldn't say this is a fundamental difference, but I think it might be get at sort of the, any sort of, if you just say, Oh, everybody has distrust of something more bigger than them or wow. Yeah. Uh, you can either choose that you could think both are evil and have conspiracies behind them, but which one do you think is more evil, more destructive can be decided of, is it corporations or is it the government? Oh Yeah. Like, and they base political parties on a, neither of them get solved the issue. I'd throw religion in there too. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. Which do you trust the least? Organized religions. I see what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. That that is also the, um, (laughs) that's all. (laughs) I, I distrust, uh, uh, corporations more than the government. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on which government, but... No, but yeah, I mean, like, I know that sounds uh, maybe naive to say that you trust the government. I'm not saying I trust them. I'm just saying I trust them. They have less... I I have less distrust for them than I do for corporate America. Yeah, because I don't feel that they have as much ambition to, to get to a means... To yeah. the ends of a means as much as a corporation does. Same with religion. I think somebody might have got in I there with, with good feelings and then got twisted into a monster. Whereas I'm like, you went into wanting to be a CEO, a monster, yeah. and then we're twisted up more into yeah, monstrous I would put religion and cor- re- Organized religion and corporations in a much more sinister basket than I would the government. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. As a boogie. I would too. Yeah. Yes, yes. Hey. Cool. Hey, man. Hey, we agree. And uh, hey, well, it should be said also the, you know, uh, Miramax and Dimension, like the Harvey Weinstein um, aspect of Miramax and these movies, seeing this movie with Rose McGowan. Yeah. And uh, knowing the really sad, awful history she had to have with was Harvey it be, Was Weinstein. it on this movie that that happened? Was it because of this movie? I think it might have been after, but I yeah, certainly I read that she had a pretty good time on this movie, yeah. but that's IMDb trivia, so uh, good God. Yeah, um, but uh, I think it also kind of fits in with what we were just talking about, a little bit of like... Mm. Uh, when it's don't pee on me and tell me it's raining mm-hmm. sort of aspect of like, what's irritating. Like I do, I talk about gag reflex. I have a gag reflex seeing that sort of like hip promotional art from scream because to me, it yeah. screams like 
this is a Weinstein trick. This yeah. is like, I'm giving you glamour because you need to be tricked in order to see this genre movie or things need to seem cool in order to, it's just a, kind of a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> the marketing aspect of it is, I, I'm sure like you could teach a whole class on just that the had more impact than the um, meta postmodern talk in right. scream. Yeah. You're right. And I, and, but I don't think you knew it cause you weren't talking about the marketing at the time mm-hmm. you were talking about the meta aspect of it, but you, you were all of it was delivered to you because of the marketing and you didn't even to know the it. point though that's what was huge about um the promotion of i still know or i know what you did last summer came out around the same time as screen two and i know what you did last summer was promoted as from the mind behind from kevin williamson the mind behind scream or uh, something yeah. and that ruffled feathers either from the original writer of i know what you did last summer or who was the author of scream was it oh. Wes craven was it kevin not that they thought about it but um interesting i do think kevin williamson is like the mvp of this yeah i agree this is like definitely uh i mean i'll just i know we were talking about the logo we'll go and then i think the promotional aspect of it is what makes that font so jarring at the beginning. It's like what you said. Yes. That's why it sticks out so much. If it that wasn't such a influence in marketing, I know. You wouldn't notice it. But anyway. Well, also speaking of branding, let's talk about the ghost face mask. Yeah. So wh- well, you can get it at any five and dime in the state. The, yeah, according what, to this movie. And what was the name of the costume? <gasps> I never looked at it before. It was the first time I saw it. It was Father death that's right and yeah. you couldn't fully read it like you, the corners cut off so you have to kind of guess yeah. but it's right around the time that they're suspecting they're discussing how sydney's father is a suspect that's yes. so it's funny that, oh interesting yeah. yeah but father death never comes up again in these movies no. it's not like he was seen in a father death costume i know but uh, yeah when, uh, that's kind of like how michael myers is the shape but you you never hear it well and then this movie was originally supposed to be called scary movie yes and there's matthew lillard says scream at the very very end where you're like they desperately just pull from that where he's like it's a scream baby because uh is it nev campbell that says or no it's um uh, Courtney Cox, who says it's a scary movie. It's like out of a scary movie yeah. ending, but she also says scream right after that too. It's just kind of like <gasps> oh. something. I forget what it is. Oh, right. but, That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, occasionally somebody will say something like, haven't you seen a scary movie? It gets mentioned a couple of times, but it's really drilled at the end where you're like, oh, this movie should have been called, or you see how they thought it was going to be Why called. Why did they not? I think they thought it was too cheeky. And so then I it's funny. it would have been better, to be honest. I, I think it's a better title too. Yeah. Scream is a really great title, but Scary Movie is like the perfect title for that movie. Yeah. And then, yeah, a couple years later, Miramax Dimension also owns. It's crazy. They bought this script called I Still Remember the Scary Movie You Did, like one of those spoof titles. And then they were like, well, we own the title Scary Movie, so. Um, And then they use the same branding, too. As a parody, it's amazing visually for for that, that. title block letters i've said this before on the podcast but i i've never known a better example of how to delineate satire versus parody and it's halloween to scream to scary movie so scream is satiring halloween where scary movies parodying scream and the rest yeah that's just, very true it's just the difference of a parody is a copy with no comedy well, or insight or commentary and a satire is a 
you borrow the style, you copy it, but you say something about it. And then to build backwards off that, you could say Halloween is homage to yes, Psycho. That's it's right. Not, oh, that's perfect. It's not spoof. It's yeah. not really commentary on the object yeah. of the original film. Oh it's God, just... Yeah. <laughs> nice. You added an extra level. Um, and then that's all based on just like, truth, man, the the... That crazy killer Ed Gein. If Ed Gein right. never did his thing, man, we would never get those funny, scary movie spoofs. <laughs> wow. Ed Gein is responsible for Scary Movie 4 <laughs> with Carmen Electra. I don't know if she's in that. No, uh, I think she might be. The first scary movie is hysterical. I've never seen it. I know I've movie. professed my love for it before on this podcast. We but, should uh, cover that. I mean, it fits in our... Yeah, there's Mandate. one scene that like really works as a spoof of Scream, not just because it is kind of a little, it's what you're talking about. The delineation is so small. You're kind of like, it's a scary movie. You're spoofing a movie that's kind of funny and taking yeah. the, a piss on, okay, whatever you're going to try to do. <laughs> they nail it really good with, um, they kind of do a spoof on the scene that's in a lot of scary movies slashers where Rose McGowan is holding a conversation, you know, with the ghost face thinking it's oh, a, yeah. um, and I would say scream stretches it out a little bit, not in a bad way, yeah. in a deliberate way, longer than a comic scene does it. So and that Halloween it starts getting it too. Oh yes. With the, the ghost. <laughs> with ghost You're right. Body. You're right. Um, scary movie does this great thing with Shannon Elizabeth where, and it's a commentary just on like the sort of ironic speak of these movies uh -huh. where she's like, oh my God, I bet you're killing me now. And like uh -huh. she gets her head chopped off and she's still commenting on it. So uh, it's very funny. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd be up for watching that. Maybe as a, a party movie, we, uh, yeah. we watch it. So do you like The Mask? Do you... Oh. Um, Ghostface? Oh, well, the reason I brought up the title was because uh, I do. I like the mask. Yeah, I like it. Um, the uh, Because it was called Scary Movie, that mask looks like it's based on, is it called The Cry or The Scream? I think it's called The Scream, the Munch painting. Yeah. Edvard Munch. Or, yeah. So that's why it seems like it's maybe called Scream that Post Facto, yeah. is because he's wearing, but the fact that they never... Not that the movie needs to. It's just like they call it the Father Death costume. Yeah. Do not they the... ever reference the painting in the sequels? I don't think so. Interesting. Um, I wonder if they reference how when I moved into my dorm freshman year on the first day, I wore a shirt that was uh, the painting of the screen. <laughs> I'm glad you did. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You should see some pictures of me wearing a giant shirt with the sleeves going past my elbows on... <laughs> That was what you wore your first day in the dorms? Yes. Mine was, I believe, a Looney Tunes sweatshirt and boxers as shorts, which was a thing back then. We were both presenting how we wanted to be seen in college. Our, our dreams were oh coming true. Oh, my God. Uh, I, um, there's no way that I can say this without being the saddest <laughs> 21 years later brag, but... I struck up, struck up a conversation with somebody who was like, I like your shirt. And she was my girlfriend the first like three months of college. Oh my God. Well, that paid off right there. And she, uh, was Wait, so... she liked your shirt? Yeah. Yeah. She liked that shirt. She was like, oh, Jesus, I, 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 when I saw your shirt, I thought she was friends with my college roommate. 
they were high school friends and she dropped by to visit her friend. And then, uh, so cool, so beautiful, like, uh, not the type of person you would think like was striking up a conversation with a dork and a So, but you know what we can chalk it up to? We were both so scared of being alone in college. Oh yeah. <laughs> you look, that's why you quickly, uh, fall for somebody. <laughs> so got, gosh darn scared. You got to partner up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're, yeah, like me, but, uh, uh, did somebody was did that did your Looney Tunes sweatshirt get to be a conversation piece at all? Uh, probably people talking behind my back. <laughs> no, Looney Tunes, like wearing Looney Tunes stuff is super cool at that time. I'm that sounded so uh, condescending, well, but not I meant to do it. a brag for my college years, but I did because I was there originally studying to do graphic design and illustration, and I did a painting of Michigan J Frog on the back of my denim jacket. People used to ask to buy that for me all the time. And same thing with I did – I had some like deck shoes that I painted like Eddie Van Halen's guitar. And I went to a Van Halen concert in them and people were like, I'll give you my shoes at $100 right now if I could have those. And it kept telling me like, no, these have really got to be quite valuable. Right. And so I left the concert and would wear them around all the time and nobody would talk about them. <laughs> so I was like, well, I, boy, context really matters. <laughs> I was sure those shoes were cool, though, because if a Van Halen fan might see through it if they were kind of crappy. Well, there's simplest things to do. You just tape them and spray paint them because that's how he did his guitar. Like, there's <sighs> nothing to it. It's just the sec sections of uh, electrical tape. That... I will pay you $100 <laughs> and switch shoes with you if you let me wear those. <laughs> um. So would you put this mask up there with the iconography of Michael Myers and Jason? No. I wouldn't either. And it's it's a little much too much like the stunts. It's just a little right. skewed towards the goof in a way that isn't fully my taste. I love it. It works it's for this not, movie. Yes. Yeah, but it's not a, it's not as iconic because it's well, it's satiring rather than yeah. the original thing. But I would put it next, the next level down, I think. Mm -hmm. And I'd put probably Freddy Krueger there too. I, I feel like Freddy Krueger, to me, the look of his face is good, but those other two. Like, yeah, a mask can be, you can just project so much onto yeah. it or your imagination can run wild. I'd also, probably put Leatherface up there with Michael and Jason though. We don't talk about oh, that much. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, the stitched up. Flesh. Scary as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, uh, uh, I wonder if partly the um, screen mask, like, you can tell they're trying to push it as an everyday, ordinary thing by saying, like, you can get this at a five and ten. But, like, Michael's mask works because it's so basic. Yeah. You're like, I'm sure I've seen a mask like that before it's not unusual and then jason it's obviously like oh i've seen a hockey mask he's wearing a hockey but like with this you're kind of going to go like well i've never seen a mask yeah. like that before maybe i have yeah oh this movie's telling me everybody in this town owns one and father death well it's a costume of the great folklore figure father death like father christmas mother nature father time father time and father, and father dowling <laughs> But he never had any mysteries. He he got to live a life of just non-mysteries. No, he was full of mysteries because he was walking around killing people in a ghost face mask. Boo-boo. 
Um, oh, that reminds me, because uh, I was going to earlier call this The Chronicles of Sydney. Are you excited for the first Chronicles of Sydney movie? Uh, <laughs> uh, like Father Dowling Mysteries oh, yeah. or something like that? Uh, and, and a, Sydney, a Sydney Prescott mystery. Yeah, the Sydney Prescott mysteries uh, uh, is what they should call Scream. But um, to Scream's credit, and I will say about this first one, I think perfectly cast, pretty much perfect script. I hear you about the music and cinematography. Yeah. That's really opening my mind. But like as close to nearly uh, uh, perfect mm -hmm. in my mind. Uh, why was I bringing that up, Gorley? I don't know, but I'll give you some time to remember. Mm. Talk it out. Mm. Must be, was it another element of the production that you thought was perfect? No, it was because I think I was going to say something that I didn't wasn't quite favorable. I, I will know. say the cast is hit and miss for me. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I like Nev Campbell mm -hmm. as a person, but I I always find there's a little, mm -hmm. little yeah. something missing. I don't know if it's some energy or yeah. And Ski Ulrich is gen genuinely creepy in this yeah. movie, but also there's still a little something off. I don't and you know yeah. how I feel about Matthew Lillard. I liked Jamie Kennedy. Uh, I liked. Uh, my uh, Cox yeah, Arquette, like, yeah, like Arquette, yeah. yeah. I thought of my fake now. What? Uh, it's that a, a check mark in the column for why Scream is great is, um, I would maybe argue it has less movies, so it doesn't have to compete as much. But I think it's the best like built franchise in terms of like. Oh, I don't necessarily care oh, about this, particularly in a slasher movie. I don't need to have like the same final girl reoccurring. Yeah. But for somebody who loves movies and loves horror movies, it, it's pretty cool. You get to actually see a la Alien is maybe the closest thing to it, where you see one person's story kind I'm of unfolding. That. Would so you that, say it's more, because we've always said Friday the 13th was the most consistent of all the franchises. Would you say this one's going to give it a run for its money? It's easier. It has, what, four, now five entries? Yeah. I love one... Really, really, really like two. Mm. Really, really, really like four. Three is the only one that like bums me out. If I like five, then yeah, it's got a pretty good okay. record going this for is it. Exciting, very <laughs> exciting. I'm glad to be going through this journey. Final Destination is pretty good too. Uh, so then, uh, okay, so yeah, after the um, that scream font, by the way. Is like so nineties because it's, it's so like bad. broken typewriter font. Yeah, it's really. And uh, I might have mentioned this on the pod before. My friend John Muller, who's just so creative, uh, he was in charge of the art department for our yearbook, and he was like, "Let's intentionally date the yearbook and make it the most." I was a year under him, but he's like, let's make it the most 1999 yearbook. Oh Cause we'd God. laugh at when you look at old yearbooks, they're yeah. like, they didn't know how much this was going to age having like a bell bottom, like mascot on the cover or whatever. So he went for it. The whole font is broken typewriter font oh my to God. be like, remember this bullshit. But no one's going to get that joke. They're going to see it and just think that we're sincere. That's hilarious. <laughs> Except just you and John. Me and John, yeah. We'll like really think it's funny. <laughs> Uh, that's pretty great yeah and like so much of it yeah there's lots of lots of little details and just like pretty incredible that you're looking over your shoulder still in the decade 
I'm not praising me. I'm praising John yeah. that he could go like, he could pick it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, when I see that screen broken typewriter, I'm like 90s, I 90s much. <laughs> you know, I don't know if your yearbook had it, but ours was like, what were people watching, listening to? Mm-hmm. And you in that yearbook, it'd be like, every, everyone went to see the core. <laughs> <laughs> And listen to Dishwalla. What was yours? Do you remember what everybody was seeing? And did you have superlatives? Yes. Okay, so answer both of those. What was everybody watching and what was your superlative? Everybody, I'm trying to think, 91. So, was that Dances with Wolves? I can't remember. Dance with Wolves came out in 90, 90, 91. Yeah, so that might have been, I don't know, Cape Fear, maybe? I forget, too. Yeah. But Superlas, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I will, for the story, I got, for my school, most talented, but... Hey, I was just telling you a breath ago that was like, a beautiful girl like me in college. There's a reason. So, Tracy McAllister and I got it, and they were going to do the photo shoot for it. And she was sick that day. And I said, well, I'll wait till she gets back. And then they came to do the photo shoot and I was sick that day. And then she just did it without me. So it's just a picture of Tracy McAllister, not picture of Matt Gorey. <laughs> but that's very cool. Cause that's kind of like, uh, I don't, yeah. Like Brad Pitt doesn't have to do talk shows. Oh, like the can... most talented. I don't show up for the photo of You're it. You're not going to commercialize my art. I'm not going to be a part of this. I do plays in theater high school. I'm not going to be part of your corporate marketing machine and branding. <laughs> the last uh, episode I just watched last night of Pen15 was them about taking their pictures for the superlatives. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did yeah. you get any superlatives? Not to, uh, school didn't allow them because the, best. they didn't want to have hurt feelings. Yeah. Is the reason. Yeah. It, they're real. We'd be stupid. like, why can't we do best dressed? Yeah. Like, because somebody will feel like hurt. Yeah. Yeah. What if some bull? He came up to me, huge guy, and he's just, I'm most talented. <laughs> delivers a your... soliloquy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the most talented at crushing your spinal cord. <laughs> I know a bank where the wild time grows, where ox lips and a naughty violet grow. <laughs> Quite over canopy. The whole time he's doing that, you're like backing up. I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The whole school claps at the end and I hand over my trophy yeah it was a, a oh, kind I, of a lay I, I think right? it was credentials a flower lay <laughs> it was a sport coat a green sport coat uh, um, so that uh, uh, well is that, the first re- sorry go ahead is the first reference to Halloween other than the guy on the phone talking about Halloween when the parents say dad says to the mom go to the McKenzie's it's the same thing that Lori says to the kids right that's dope I never noticed that yeah I noticed a bunch took a Halloween fiend well I noticed that Halloween fiend Halloween uh, (laughs) she's got two video cassettes that she ran and one of them is Halloween she's gonna watch you can see it it's funny in the background like next to just a big thing of knives and you see like Halloween point out and the one underneath it I'm pretty sure it's Children of the Corn too, because it has this oh. like purple hue kind of. That's got to have a subtitle, right? What is it like? Malachi's yeah. regret. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Malachi's regret, uh, and that was owned by Dimension Miramax. Okay, and when that um, shaping Halloween, what was those books we read a couple of years oh, ago? Oh, Taking Shape. Taking Shape. Yeah, yeah. Um, they said if 
Scream hadn't been a success. Halloween could have easily been headed in the Children of Corn, uh, Hellraiser, straight to video, video hell, oh. which it maybe never was would have gotten out of then. Can you imagine? So I'll pre scream for that. Yeah. yeah. Made their property hot. I will too. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all praise Malachi, of course, all as well. Praise, all praise to Malachi, Lord of our corn and, and kernels. <laughs> now that beginning, you talked about it, like Amanda saw it and she uh, loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first like 13 minutes of the movie. I loved it too. That's a hell of a cold open because it, that twist works on everybody. You think Drew Barrymore, she's yeah. your star, she's your Janet Lee. Right. And then she's killed and you're just like, well, now we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's kind of a combination of Psycho with the Janet Lee thing and like Bond. Yes. Like it's just yeah. like this really kind of like the fact that every slasher movie just doesn't do that. It's like it delivers the goods. Yeah. So people who came to see a horror movie will now sit through the boring next 15 minutes when you meet people. I love cold opens. I really <sighs> They're do. the best. They're the most like cinematic thing. Is just like, or yeah. not most, just a very because you just get a little short feature, a little cartoon, yeah. a little hors d'oeuvre. Uh, now this is based on when a stranger calls, okay, uh, yeah. um, which is the um, along with another movie that I won't mention, but uh, a sort of the killer is inside the house type construction. Why won't you mention the other movie? I don't know. So the the uh, killer. Uh, so the when uh, 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 when a stranger calls. Um, now, I think they're open about that being an influence on this beginning because it's like uh, a guy calling and yeah. sneaking around the house. I've seen that. It's pretty good. I've never seen it. When a stranger calls back, which was made like fifteen years later, is so terrifying. Really, that opening. That when I saw Scream eight months later, I knew it was hyped as, ooh, this is a reference to When a Stranger Calls. But When a Stranger Calls Back does its own reference at the beginning, cold open. It is so much scarier than Scream. Really? And when the Scream one was done, I was like, that was, yeah, thrilling, but it was no When a Stranger Calls Back. We might have to do that for our ones and twos season. That is great. Remember that. That is good. Yes, because there's one other scare in When a Stranger Calls Back later in the movie that also is like, oh, I'm glad I watched the rest of this movie. Cause, Ooh, yeah. okay. Um, but so much suspense. I, re- I saw it on cable with like two friends and we were like on a couch just like gripping uh, really? the blankets we had. Ooh. We were so scared. Ooh. Now, look, I was in seventh or eighth or uh, freshman year of high school or something. Maybe that was an easy Still. mark. Ooh, you uh, delicious meal. But uh, yeah, the um, that whole sequence is pretty cool, right? Um, yeah, but let's talk about this caller. Yes. The voice. Mm-hmm. So this was just, I forget his name, because I, I was convinced it's Liev Schreiber doing the voice. It sounds just like him. It's not, and it was a guy just doing it as a placeholder, and they ended up keeping it because they thought it worked. Yeah, just a regular, like a, a voiceover guy. I forget or something. who it is, but I, I there's times where a, go ahead. No, go ahead. There's times where I think it sounds like um. I thought it was like it sounds like Skeet Ulrich or Matthew Lillard doing the box. I know that it's another actor, but there were some times where I was like, I'd love to hear it because the ear, your ear, with like. There's sometimes where his sentences are different tonalities and closeness that the 
only way I lie myself to it is like, oh, they're passing the voice box back and mm, forth. And one's closer to the phone than the other one or something. Otherwise, I can't explain it. I don't know. It's so weird listening to the voice now because it's like what it's become. It's a little like when you watch the first season of a TV show yeah. and you're like, like that Homer person has Simpson. such a weird hair. Yeah. Their voice is so different. It's so... I like prefer this to what it's become where it's just oh, like, right. hello, Sydney. It's oh, so over the top. Because I already feel like it's a bit over, it was a bit over the top for me in this. Strap in, brother. <laughs> it gets pretty rocky. It's not my favorite part of these movies. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, yeah. So what do you think about it? It's just a little too, well, it could be so scary. And it's I not. I agree. And it should be. And that again is the movie I would love to see this scarier looking sounding movie i'm just curious i'm just really curious to see i bet it would still be funny and i bet the laughs would be more chilling mm -hmm. and the scariness would be more chilling and i'd be just so curious to see that version because this is drew barrymore i love this open so much but yeah if it was darker and you actually had a believable less cartoony voice it would oh be you're so, right the physical the that actual house is so, so lit up lit. and even when she goes outside there are just floodlights everywhere it's blue you can yep. see every portion. There's not a single silhouette. A whole um, trick or something is based on the lighting of like when the lights finally turn on that um, yeah. wrestler. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, because Casey. everything else has been uh, lit up uh, yeah. in, this, you know, in this house. But so I knew that Liev Schreiber was in this movie. And yeah. so I just assumed that was him. But blink and you'll leave. Huh? I know. What, what's the deal there? Is, is he? Is he in there as stunt casting as well? Because maybe he wasn't as well known as I thought he was back then. But I uh, no, I didn't know Leo Schreiber was in the Scream movies until Scream Two. When I see, sorry, uh, but I see him and he's such a blink and you'll miss it. Like when I saw it, I didn't even the Cotton Weary him as Cotton just like yeah. so went over me and Lee Schreiber wasn't a name. Okay, interesting. So I wasn't, yeah, looking All for... Right. I'm curious to see where that goes. But that has to be weird, you watching this. It's kind of like, it almost would seem like, oh, he got cut out of the movie. Definitely, and I thought for sure that was his voice and I, I was even prepared to think like they want you to believe he's the killer because he was the person convicted for the mother's death. Yeah. And I was ready for, I already knew the twists and I thought, oh, they're just trying to set it up for a change. But when I read and learned that that's not even his voice... I, I like your version though. It'd kind of be a cool thing for the movie to do, which is just like, we're not saying of course that that's cotton, but it's just cool to, he's got a great voice. We're just having him do yeah. the voice for this. And yeah. yeah, you can make the two separate in your mind. It's I cool. If you could recolor time this movie to darken it down, <laughs> replace the score and the caller voice. Well, it's so funny what you say about the score because this score gets ripped off a lot. Like, literally not just homage oh. like when they need to fill gaps in like a uh, urban legend 2 they'll use scream they just go to that yeah. music bank uh-huh oh fascinating so it's generic enough yeah that it can be put in other movies truthfully it's I like mean, if it was distinctive you would go like why are they using this and that i will say i love just saying the name marco beltrami that's Michael how he gets Beltran. most of uh, his work is just somebody going wanting to say like get me <laughs> who do you want uh, are you really asking yes Marco Beltrami <laughs> then he just appears <laughs> on a That's cello like writing a cello <laughs> <laughs> or a the harp. composer for the Robotech cartoon series in the 80s was 
Ulpio Minucci. Really? Yeah. Give me, I, I will never settle for anything less than the songwriting duo of Marco Beltrami <laughs> Ulpio Minucci. Oh, to hear the work that those two would craft oh. together. In a kitchen in Tucson. <laughs> Tucson? <laughs> yes. Tuscan. No, they have to go to Tucson. One of them has jury duty. <laughs> um, I like that the first line the caller asks, it's on Drew Barrymore's face. The first uh, line of the movie, maybe, is, no, is, who is this? Which I did yeah. think, like, oh, that is what the audience is wondering. Yeah. Anytime when a movie starts yeah, on the screen, like, like, starts on something, you go, consciously, you go, who is this? Yeah, it's clever exposition or substitution. <laughs> yeah, and then I thought it would be funny after she got like, she, uh, I don't know, who's this? If he went, are you, are you Drew Barrymore from E.T.? <laughs> All grown up? I that would you, really call things out. I know. That'd be really meta. I haven't seen Firestarter or Irreconcilable Differences, but I know you went away for some issues for a while. But now you're back? Kind of like a, a new it girl? Would then? you consider a daytime talk show in the distant future? Would you tear up from a message brought to you by Steven Spielberg? I haven't seen that. This is the color stater. You'll see the clip later. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> uh, I um, I think Drew Barrymore is awesome. She's great. I really can't. She's, you know, she is Drew Barrymore. And that is a specific thing, but I really have no criticism oh, of it. Oh, nothing but praise. Um, she was, according to my IMDb trivia, was supposed to play Sydney and thought it would be more fun to do this and kind of do the twist. And then that, that's apparently what brought Russ Craven on board when he had Drew Barrymore. That's, oh, because now it became this like... real. I could see that. Then it yeah. becomes like this cool thing. Yeah. And then the script like was sort of a hot property, right? right? Yes. There was like... It went on sale for bidding on like Friday and it was sold on Saturday after a huge bidding war or something. Wow. You know, according to my friend... I am Dibba, Im Dibba. Igbar Murray <laughs> Igbar database. Murray database. <laughs> One entry. Me. Um, the, um, uh, this whole thing is like uh, our man Craven, our boy Wessie. Yeah. I think the thing Wes Craven is best at is like um, – crafting a suspense based mm. on how you know things are kind of laid out mm. and like like setting things like laying a strong foundation first that you then yeah like have to Hitchcock or De Palma before him you kind of get like and that's what I really think is like so ingenious about this opening you you see her walk all yeah, to the rooms you true. get such a feel of where things are and that popcorn thing is just pure. That's so I brilliant. That that's like, good. it's commenting on that. It's popcorn for movies, but it's also this thing that tracks and gets scarier uh, as it goes on and then becomes smoky and starts on fire by the end. It's such a great rate to track. It really that is. It is a kind of perfect 13 minutes or whatever it is. Yeah. It kind of risks almost, uh, how do you top uh, the movie a little bit? Yeah. Because uh, it it really shows its bona fides as being a scary. The, it's really good that the next scene after that is the um, such a well written uh, scene between two presumably teenage high school characters. Like 
when he comes up, uh, uh, Skeet Ulrich mm-hmm. and um, Nev Campbell into her bedroom. That's uh, they have such chemistry, and I think the writing is so. I mean, it's a little cringy, but like I do think it's clever. Yeah, given what good. the subject matter, how they talk in this movie, how he's like. I was watching a movie, but it was edited for TV, and I wanted the R-rated version. Yeah. Can we get an R-rated version? Like it's all yeah. like it's so clever, and they, uh, I feel like the actors are so engaged with each other. Like it really helps the um, going from that kind of really awesome sequence. I feel like if the next scene was like sucked, that it would be a re- even harder. Right. Jump to make. Yeah, it does connect it well. Um, that You're blowing my mind, though, with the, the parents, say, the neighbors. Go to the Mackenzie's, yeah. Because that's also, yeah, that's such a clear Halloween thing, the two parents coming back yeah. at the end of the party. Um, the, uh, um, But the, uh, I got to say about those parents, uh, said with love, but have you noticed sometimes you can kind of tell with uh, day players and extras when a movie is shot in Canada? Is this shot in Canada? Yeah. It wasn't shot in Canada. What? They wanted to shoot it in Vancouver, but Wes Craven said, no, we have to shoot it. I need it to be distinctly American looking. It was shot in Northern California and it added a million dollars to the budget. My I'm anti-Canadian sorry. that I feel my face is flushed right now. But I'm they sweating. Did pull a local actress from Palo Alto, and it's the same. Your point stands that they don't look. I'm not talking about physical appearance or attractiveness. I just mean like, look, listeners long know that this is a podcast that will not stand for Canadians. <laughs> I love Canadians. No, I l- wish I lived in Canada. We love them. I know that sounds defensive when somebody's like, I wish I lived in Canada. That's probably like when a Canadian hears that, they're like, uh-huh, okay, thanks, asshole. Uh, no, I truly, it's a beautiful country with beautiful people. Uh, but the... Um, yeah, he says to her, you should never say, is anyone here? Haven't you seen a scary movie? So if you knew the title was scary movie, if you went in and bought a ticket, your ears would burn at that moment. Oh yeah, um, and because doesn't she also say like he says, "What are you gonna do tonight? Just watch a scary movie." Yeah, right. That's right. Uh, and then he asked the trivia questions about horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, as a Friday Thirteenth fan, I love the trickery of it was Jason's mom that got me even. Yeah, when I saw it... I mean, I obviously know that answer, but I still fell for the trick. The first time I saw it, I was just like, this is like what really secured its like bona fides as an in-joke movie. I was like, oh, they're making deeper references than just uh, aren't some of these movies kind of lame. Yeah. The boyfriend's stomach being gutted, that little sight of real gore mm-hmm. uh, I think that's more than most you were seeing at like I remember b- even though we were saying like this is bright and it's not like scary I remember being a couple of times where I'm like oh that's more gore than yeah. I've seen in a horror movie it's lately private Ryan levels yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah like when um Tom Hanks's head gets squished in the garage door opener <laughs> it, it's at the end of season private Ryan <laughs> As the old man. No, that's that's Matt Damon's character. He dies from a riding lawnmower. 
um, the uh, uh, so yeah, a good question to kind of maybe ask too is who is who when people are getting killed? So yeah, are they both doing it at the same time, or is one person on the phone and one in a costume? Right. Are they s- doing separate nights? Now, when he's running behind her, mm-hmm. he's pretty tall. Yeah. But maybe Drew Barrymore is short, but that body looks very Lillard. The body always looks Lillard, Lillardian to me. <laughs> More than Skeetian? Ulrichian. Ulrichian. Yeah. yeah. Skeetish. <laughs> and then <laughs> with the uh, logic of the movie, Skeet could have done that and then still bopped over to Sydney's house, alibi-wise. Good point, but that does lend some credence to like Lillard's in the costume, Skeet's on the tweet. On yeah, the Skeet's phone. on the tweet. Yeah, and Lillard's going hard. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, because the next day at school, he says, I was with Rose McGowan's character the whole time. That's right. And wait, but so maybe uh, but she's she, not. She, she vouches for that. She says that he was, and you yeah. were with me. So was it? Because then oh. you could buy the theory that it's it's like strangers on a train sort of thing, where it's like, we'll kill each other's. But you think they would be in it to kill their, because Lillard would want to kill um, Drew Barrymore because they mentioned how they she just broke up with him and left him for this new guy. Right. So he has a motive. But maybe it's like Matthew Lillard, no, Stu knows, oh, I'll be the first person they finger this is what's ingenious about this. I'll have an alibi. You kill my girlfriend, ah, and then yes. you kill my girlfriend, or right. whatever. Yeah. And and Skeet wants to kill Nev simply because she's the daughter of the woman that wrecked his parents' marriage, or he at this point is just a psychopath and loves killing. That's the thing that's a little. Yeah. And yeah, because I guess it's like um, this isn't a good explanation. It's like his. The revelation that his mother left his dad because he was cheating on her with Sydney's mom uh, made him want to murder Sydney's mom. Uh-huh. He did that purely out of like anger and revenge, whatever the reason you would want to kill somebody like that. That kicked off a bloodlust. That yeah. then after that he's just like, okay, I like this, so now I'm gonna kill. But yeah. it's not. As it's satisfying, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess the whodunit aspects of this movie is cool leading up, but when you—that's pretty much every whodunit, though. The the reveal is never quite satisfying. Oh, the like way home conversation or the conversation after the movie over coffee and pie—you yeah. usually go like, oh, I don't know. yeah. The you, one that seems like I know that they use it as like a way to up the ante later, and maybe they're just trying to like get a kill in there and. Bring out the oh red herrings or red herring sometimes is like when the principal gets killed. Just seems a little like yeah sloppy. It just seems like hey, we need to kill before we have a long stretch. Where That's exactly what it was apparently. Oh, Harvey Weinstein saw it and he's like, you need to kill and you need it somewhere in here. So let's kill the principal. Oh, then maybe I must have read that before and that was know. just. But because it is like. It's sloppy of the killers, not just of the writer, but yeah. also the the killers. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the and then that um, 
it's cool because this whole opening um, is a little like uh, pastiche or, you know, it feels like if it's like another movie. Postmodern. But, yeah. Um, but I feel like kind of sort of like postmodern is all well and good, but you got to bring something else to the table. You can't just come to a potluck and spit on everybody's food. You got to go like, well, I made something that's pretty. You like, got to eat something tasty before you spit on someone's food. So at least that goes in there. Yeah. At least make something, something good new. for people to yeah. eat. Then um, that ending of the parents hearing over the phone, their daughter being murdered. Mm. I was like, that's such an original scary yeah. idea. And it is in this movie. That's also talking about scary movies. Yeah. It's not just like go movies, do this tropes are like that. And they're offering some new cool stuff. How great would it be to have never heard anything about this movie and be there opening night in a crowded Friday night theater with a bunch of teenagers and being a teenager yourself, it would just be this. I That'd think be a this, blast. Yeah. Oh, this is exactly what this movie should be. And I'm, I am kind of bummed that I missed that. I, I, I had that same thought when I was watching it. I thought, I'd most want to be in a theater when uh, Matthew Lillard goes, my mom and dad are going to be so bad at me. I, I was like, this isn't that funny to me sitting alone. That but I bet at such a heightened moment in the theater when you're like watching people stab each other with so bonkers ending for a pretty studio yeah. release movie. Uh, him say my mom and dad are going to be so bad at me. Apparently improvised. Oh, Genius. I'll give it to him for that. You little arty and wit. <laughs> I feel like him and Jamie Kennedy and uh, David Arquette were doing a lot of. There were some lines that I'm like, that's not yeah. something in a script. Like when. Yeah, like, there's no way the, the script is like a Jerry Lewis impression in it. Or when Dewey goes like, uh, uh, you know the name of that constellation there? She's like, no, what is it? He's like, oh, I didn't know I was asking you. Yeah, uh, yeah, seems very. <laughs> and I also like it when Dewey, uh, when the person calls and they hand him the phone and everybody leaves in the background and he's still standing there. So he puts up the phone up to his face oh, yeah. and he squints and he goes, hello. Yeah, that was pretty good. I was like, I bet that was yeah. his thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's take a look at some of the references. Sure. So we got the go to the McKenzie's. Uh, they talk about Halloween and Friday the 13th in that first call. Um, Billy Loomis. Don't fear the Reaper. Uh, Linda Blair's in this with a cameo. Yeah. Well, and then when Billy comes through the window, Ski Ulrich looks like Johnny Depp. Yes. He's coming right. through the window yeah. like he does with Nancy in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. That like, as much as this movie seems like its main text is Halloween. Yeah. Like, there's no scene like that on Halloween. No. It's only in Nightmare on Elm Street and where a guy looks that, like a Johnny Depp comes through a window. And only in Nightmare on Elm Street where a guy looks like Freddy Krueger because you've got Wes Craven playing That's another reference. The yep, yep. Plus, you've got Wes Carpenter, the name. The Fonzie jacket, which I picked out. I read about it after, <sighs> but I was like, I, I see the Fonzie jacket. I've seen this movie countless times, and I've never noticed the Fonzie jacket. Yeah, when the principal opens the closet, there's like some blazers, but there's also the Fonzie jacket. Is that before his murder? Yeah. So that was added in a reshoot. Yeah, I guess. Like, or the, an additional shoot or something if they added the But it's funny to think, death. is that Arthur Fonzarelli, who's changed his name, or this guy, like, robbed the Smithsonian, <laughs> or just likes to cosplay as 
people tell him, you know, you look like you look like the Fonz, and you know, when he always downplays it, any, but they still get a lot of attention for who they look like. And I'm like, if it were today, day and age, he'd be having an Instagram account as Arthur Fonzarelli, and <laughs> this guy, like, yeah, likes to hang out and like bars with lots of shadow yeah. people are like I think that might be <laughs> and the principal's name is Mr. Henry Mr. Henry Winkler it was, I thought it was like Mr. Himby okay oh man my mistake I, hope I, I thought I heard I somebody I say Mr. Henry did. no because I would have heard if his name was Mr. Henry that'd be in the fucking headlines of the next day's newspaper <laughs> There's a poster in the video store with Jamie Curtis for a movie called Mother's Boys. Oh, I that's a real movie. It's a real movie? Yeah. What? Released, I think, by Dimension. Is it a horror movie? Mm-hmm. Oh, how funny. Or like thriller, erotic. Oh, that'd be funny to watch. Uh, this goes with the references, too. Three whole full mentions of Sharon Stone in this movie. Yeah. That I've never like clocked, but I was like, they make a reference to Basic Instinct, Ice yeah. Pick. Second one is... Um, she says the Sharon Stone stalker, stalker case. Yeah. And then at the very, very end, he says, your mom ain't no Sharon Stone or something like that. And there's also something about an ice picker. Is that on the heel? That's it with the, when okay, the first yeah. one when they're talking about like how a woman could kill. She yeah. could kill with an ice pick. That's, right. That's basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, more references. Uh, yeah. The town that dreaded sundown. That's they're right. Not to know. Yeah. Is this the first use of Scream Queen or is that from some like criticism or something? I don't yeah when randy says it i know there's more references in this movie but that's the those are good those are the cas- that's the casualist i got what about the uh indigo girls reference with the poster on uh cindy's oh, yeah, wall yeah. <laughs> she's got yeah an indigo's poster and then yeah like a shoegaze version of don't fear the reaper yeah that's pretty pretty uh 90s and any scene with Nev Campbell and Ski Ulrich is a masterclass in a very specific type of 90s acting. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Do you know what I'm talking yes, about? This kind of like... It's like post-James Dean. Like, Yes. It's just very... Uh, yes. Yeah. It, and it's a lot of like bottom lip biting brows being furrowed and kind of a cute way. It's just it's like Ethan Hawke. It's Johnny yes. Depp. Yeah. From that time. A lot of, you're right. The brow thing is brooding, big, brooding and looking up from like kind of coy looks. Yes. Cool coy looks. Yeah. What? Okay. So that had to be like sort of 90210 yeah. infused, right? That had some. Ski, Ski Ulrich's doing it to the point of true creepiness where he's kind of got a weird look. There's times where it seems like he's doing like, I know this looks like Johnny Depp and I'm kind of yes. positioning my face or uh, doing agreed. my eyes in a way that I've been told looks like Johnny agreed, Depp. Yeah. 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 Um, it's really funny when the dad, um, pops up in the scene with her with Sydney. Yeah. Because like unlike most parent figures or something in these kind of like he's in the rest of the series is so forgotten. Oh really? Yeah. So even like later in the movies that when he like reoccurs, you kinda of go like, oh right, Sydney's dad. Oh, I was hoping he'd become the main character. Scream 2 is focused on his life after Sid leaves for college. He's just dating again. <laughs> it's just like a very like um, heartfelt like story about a a, a man's emptiness syndrome. 
How do you feel about a stream break? Oh, yeah. Do you want to take a stream? We'll be right back. With Corley and Rust. I hear the cute, cute cooing of a baby. Well... Lucky father, lucky mother, lucky baby. So smitten yeah, by this creature. Her name, by the way, is Podcast. <laughs> Where you get some smiles there? Oh, yeah. You see some smiles? It just gets better every day. It's oh, crazy. It's I don't even want to be one of those stupid gushies, but I... Hey, you can. Oh, it's good. I'm a gush, Gushminster Fuller. Right it's good to be a gushy. It's good to be a gushy. <laughs> it's good to eat a gushers too, oh, if you yes. have the time. Talk about nineties, right? Aren't those from the nineties? Yeah. Um, that'd be funny if in this movie everybody was just always eating gushers. You're like, oh, this is totally a nineties movie, <laughs> and, uh, like uh, fruit by the foot, or and. Squirt Gert or what is it? Go Gert? <laughs> squirt Gert. I um, want some Squirt Gert. I would say in a movie that has no bum scenes, no bad scenes. I really yeah. love the fountain scene when all the kids you, you first meet Stu. Yeah, you first meet uh, Randy. Randy. Um, uh, uh, Matthew Lillard and uh, Jamie Kennedy, respectively. Right. Um, there's some stuff, you know, Kevin Williamson can get kind of bad with the like clever speak with adolescence, mm-hmm. but this, it feels like, like when, um, uh, Skeetle says, uh, it's called tact. I'm like, that's the level of cleverness and believe yeah. it. Like, I love that yeah. tone of adolescence. Cause I'm like, that is smart enough. I would hear a high schooler say that they would put it that way. Um, but when like later she says something like, uh, um, uh, you're having a stupidity leak. Oh yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, I hate that stuff. <laughs> so as much as I could get that, uh, it's called tact, uh, element. And then, um, uh, you're having a stupidity leak. If you know that, uh, uh, the, that uh, those two were the killers. There's a very like clear moment. Like really? it always makes my jaw drop when I rewatch it now. Where Lillard goes, um, I didn't kill anybody, and Skeet Ulrich goes, nobody said that you did. Oh, like he like really says it like deliberately. Interesting. It's, there is a moment too when he comes in when Skeet comes in to then then Nev Campbell and Skeet are going to make love. And he looks at the door, like making sure it's unlocked so that oh. Lillard Ghostface can come in too. That's good. Yeah. I never noticed that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, then, uh, yeah, you, you we do meet Stu and Randy. And if we're going to talk about Randy here, I would I think it's the best invention of the script is that Randy character mm-hmm. and... Gorley, I might just say top 10 like character in a 90s movie. I love yeah, Randy so I much. Do too. I really do. Yeah, he's my favorite in this movie. For a character that could be the most obnoxious character in the movie. Sure, yeah, by all rights should be insufferable and usually is in a horror movie. Right. That guy, that's funny. I never thought about how he is fulfilling that trope of a character in a movie, but 
yeah. he's also calling it out. Yeah. yeah. Of the like the Shelly character, yes. like the practical joker, right. silly guy um, who's in love with the final girl. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. He's yeah. totally that. Yeah. Um, the, uh, um, but the, um, then Sydney goes back home. Uh, There's a really weird sting when she, the bus pulls up to her house. They do a smash cut to the school bus and it's like a bong. And it's just a school bus. It's really weird. They were really trying to amp up. Uh, yeah, that's Weinstein going. We need a scare. We need a scare every five minutes. Uh, you, sir? Yeah. No. Flash your face. Yeah, Can we flash your face on screen? <laughs> <laughs> um Talk about well lit. This is all like daytime. You're right. Yeah. And one thing that's different about these movies, I all these kids are a little more upper class. Very. Th- those are pretty big houses and really white. The school is white too. Yeah. Well, all the, the yeah the whole characters cast. are white. Oh yeah. Right. Very true. Yeah. yeah. You're right. And uh, it's not even um, a plot element or remarked on like. In a John Hughes movie, 10 years before that, a character who lived in a house like that, it would be underlined as like, well, that yeah, because yeah. they're James Spader. They live in right. a nice house. No, but this, this is, is just like pure privilege. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's a... Yeah, and there's really no... Wes Craven usually has a little bit of commentary in... I've never thought about this, but just he usually has commentary about how houses are set up and mm. the way we like use them to be... You know, like the people under the stairs, it's like, well, they build a house that like in some ways affects an entire neighborhood, how they could develop. And last house on the left, it's like the parents trap the killers in and yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street, she puts those home traps up. Like the fact that this kind of is like, no, all these kids live in really nice houses. Yeah. And he specifically chose this area. And in right. fact, the house at the end where everything takes place um was rentable because the couple that lived there just died and so their kids didn't know quite what to do with it and they just rented it to the production. Oh my god, then to have to watch that movie with all that horror. Oh yeah. <laughs> That'd be an unpleasant yeah, home movie. Wouldn't to yeah. watch. Um there's that cool thing that is kind of like a strange moment when you first see it, but like she goes before she takes a nap, she walks down the hallway and she kind of opens the closet door and checks it and then lays down on the couch and then the sun goes down when she wakes up that's the door that the ghost face jumps out of the cl- that closet door she checked oh. I, like I'm I'm not saying it's cool I'm just kind of like confused by that. like what hmm. I mean I guess it's not uncommon for people when they're home alone to check closets and stuff I've never gotten that logic because like when you check under your bed the the killer's going to get you sooner. Yeah. <laughs> You're just inviting it in. You might as well live a little longer. You're totally... I remember thinking this all the time. Where I'm like, well, so what? I find out that there's a killer down there and then he just jabs me in the eye faster with a knife? Yeah, he yeah. doesn't have to chase me across the room. And I, I might get half a night's sleep if that guy takes a while to come out. But if she fell asleep during that... If she looked in that closet and didn't see anybody... Then somebody snuck into the house and snuck into the closet. Did she shut while it she was fully asleep? or did she leave it open? Ooh. She, she invited him into it. Yeah. Ne- make sure your closet doors are always closed. <laughs> That's the big lesson for this. Um, then, oh, 
when I think make scream scream, that it's not just like spoofs and calling things out. The whole movie just is filled with these kind of like characters talking about movies. And my ones that I really love is this first one where um, Rose McGowan says, uh, we can rent all the right moves. If you pause in the right spot, oh, you yeah. can see Tom Cruise's penis yeah. and the Richard Gere, the gerbil, gerbil story. Yeah. Both of those, like in some ways feel like the most dangerous <laughs> things they're saying to this movie. Like that's like, Oh my God, is Tom Cruise lawyer going to call Richard Gere's lawyer? Not going to like this. <laughs> How much does the meta thing continue through the sequels? Is it always present or do they have to like, there's no new ground to tread? Um, they don't do it as well as the first, but it, it's still, there. they're still there. Yeah. And in ways they're like devised to bring that out more. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'm so fascinated to see how they're able to refill this for four more movies, killer-wise. I don't. I have no idea how mm. that plays out. I'm fascinated. Yeah. I know you know. No, but I know what you're saying about, like, it's a little bit of the problem Friday the 13th had after the first one, which is, like, it was a whodunit. You found out who it was, and the killer, so... Yeah. The next killer is always going to be not... Skeet Ulrich's kid. <laughs> Skeet Jr. <laughs> um, oh, she also has a... Then she gets called. And I thought that fully just sounded like Skeet Ulrich there. Hmm. Skeet Sr. I, all I could hear was Liev Schreiber. He's got a great voice. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to imagine something. Uh, now... This is also what I think is very cool about this movie. It's not just calling things out. It does some truly unexpected things here. Like she does it's sort of that mission state of the movie where she goes like, No, I don't like scary movies. It's always a big breasted girl running upstairs when she should be running out. It's yeah. insulting. Like yeah. that does seem like, oh, this is movie knows this amount. Um but then like it goes past that where like in a normal horror movie, that person wouldn't step out of their porch and go, come on and get me. Yeah. They wouldn't like pick their nose, yeah. which I thought was like really funny. The first yeah. And then finally, she wouldn't get attacked that early in the movie. When Ghostface right. jumps out of the closet, that is not playing by the rules of slasher movies. Also, she runs up the stairs only because she's trying to get out the door and can't. And I love that moment. Yeah, I know, me too. I love that moment. They call it out and then they immediately do it and they do it because it makes sense. Yeah. Of course you'd run up there. And then she's yeah. able to use the double door. The Dutch. Oh, that was clever yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. 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 But what was up though when she ran up in there and the door, she called um, 911 on her computer? Yeah, you used to be able to use your computer as a phone. But I never seen it where you could like enter text. It was always just you would talk through your computer. Yeah, when the person wrote back, I yeah. was like, is this... I mean, 96 internet was, was around, but... It was probably Matthew Broderick from War Games, like... <laughs> posing as or you know who it was it was that <laughs> blogger from which halloween movie is the the blogger dies and still manages to upload his own or is that friday the 13th which one oh, is that? oh 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 nightmare on Elm street remake that it guy is yes the guy who um he's uncredited he's like maybe playing the character he played in the friday the 13th remake the the michael bay one oh. And it's so funny because, yeah, at the end of his video vlog thing, his head gets, like, smashed into the computer. Yeah. Into the cameras. So then... Freddy uploaded it? 
Get out of my way. I have to press the enter key. These days, it used to be you could just kill someone. Now you gotta kill and upload. Do you think when Freddy's typing, though, it's like when a, like Lee press on nails sort of thing, where it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and he's using, he's like a proper typist. So one hand is down on the keyboard and the other one is like, <gasps> Looks like he's got like staggered hand placement like the Emperor when he's shooting lightning. <laughs> Two great typists, Freddy and uh, the Emperor. Um now uh Dewey comes back. Oh, when when Billy pops back up and so you kinda go, Oh, yeah. maybe it couldn't be him, but then the phone drops out. Mm-hmm. And then that little punctuation mark when she runs out and Dewey's holding the mask. Yeah, that's when I was like, "This is less of a," uh, or references what we were talking about earlier that it's more of a ride yeah. than a scary movie, right? Like that sort of that whole sequence, and then having David Arquette be the punctuation, yeah, holding like fun. a mask. Yeah. yeah, I oh, I laughed. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Uh, um, now then, oh, he's basically like Barty Fife too, if you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just like a 90s version of Barty. I love it. I know. It's so funny. But um, okay, now Courtney Cox shows up. Um, there's two appearances of Red Right Hand. Of what? That, that Nick Cave song. Sorry, not oh. Courtney Cox. The But that Red Right Hand. Uh-huh. Uh, it got used twice in this movie, Is I think. It? But it's reoccurring through the... As long as we're keeping a marks on reoccurring things, you're going to hear that song all through these screen movies, really? baby. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Do you think it's a cool song? I can't even place it. When a bird in the bounce in the beat the bounding, do the body the boo with the red right hand. Oh my God. Weird. That did not like register with me. <laughs> do you want me to go into the next movies and just record my version that I just did over the other ones? I so would. You could, yeah. yeah. I would. I'll get on that. Um, Courtney Cox, she's introduced a very 90s character. Yeah. Like, this is like straight from To Die For, the Nicole Kidman movie. And, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, she's a, she looks like April O'Neil. O'Neil. Uh, and then just the idea of like hard copy or a current yeah. affair, like these oh, yeah. sleazy reporters oh, who will yeah. do anything for a story. Now it's like quaint. You're just yeah. like, not that I'm saying, oh, we all know reporters are sleazy. It's just sort of like, yeah, compared who to cares? what the media has become. <laughs> what I could not wrap my head around was her cameraman, W. Earl Brown. His hat was on backwards and it has those like snap tabs and uh-huh. it's on the last one and it's still high up on his head. His head is that massive? He must have a massive head. I've never known anyone that had to. And I have a rather large I have a head, huge head. and I, But I've never gotten close to that last snap. No, me neither. And it's still like resting high up top of his head like he couldn't bring it all the way down. And it's like angled, <laughs> like it's slipping up. <gasps> If you had to have a, a, if your head was so big that it was on the last snap, you wouldn't go broadcasting it by flipping it around. No. He should like have it the right way and then like cover it up with hair. But he's a cameraman, man. He's playing the role properly. You can't have a bill sticking That's out when true. you've got the eyepiece coming in. That's he's true. W. Earl Brown, bartender and aide de camp of Al Swearingen on my favorite television show, Deadwood. Oh, he's in Deadwood? Yeah. What else would I know him from? Season two of True Detective. 
Yeah, Will Smith likes it. <laughs> Will, this is my only guy who loves season two of True Detective. You no, are, I know it's a fictional town. I'm surprised he was able to. <laughs> I'm surprised he was able to um, bury the hatchet with the show because I think he wanted to be the detective part. Yeah, I would have loved. Right? I would have loved to have seen you do it, but I think it was a bit above you, Will. Yeah, I agree. Well, oh, he's nodding. Okay, when you're right, you're right. And when you're Will, you're Will. Will. Will, are we friends again? Oh, we are. Yeah. Well, then why are you leaking stupidity? <laughs> so just that top dollar Williams dialogue that you you pay for. Um, another '90s thing that I feel like is reoccurs in this movie is the. Um, weird reddish brown hair that people have because they just had a role where their hair was dyed blonde. Like uh, Rose McGowan? Rose McGowan. I didn't notice her, but I noticed in David Arquette and Jamie Kennedy. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 Um, the uh, there is, Speaking of Rose McGowan's... Uh, um, oh, and I also saw a crew visible when uh, Dewey Ooh. leaves the room with the two girls when he leaves the police station. The door closes and you just see like a dipshit standing <laughs> in the window. I love that. There's nothing better. <laughs> My favorite goofs are crew visible yeah. by hands down. You know what? I would a country just mile. love to see one that because sometimes you see them in a mirror or a glass reflecting when something just I want to see one where not only do you see the crew, but you see the crew person see themselves and go and then just try to like hide their face like that's going to do anything. I wish that yeah, they like do a, a a quick dash out and their hat is left spinning in midair. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I noticed this is a question maybe for our listeners. Who is the actor in the headshot that's prominently displayed in Rose McGowan's room? Too. It looked, I don't think it is, but it looked like Richard Bach, I think was his name from Battlestar Galactica, but that wouldn't make any sense. It also wasn't. It didn't look of this time. Yeah, it looked. What were you gonna, sorry, I, I don't. Yeah, or like I thought it kind of looked like Robert Hayes from Airport. Yeah, I, no, I knew it wasn't. I, I'm sure someone will let us know. Yeah, I'm excited to find out. It's in fact, interesting I don't even to want think to research it. That the, this teenage girl loves that. It just seems out of it's time. Weird. It feels more like a reference of its own right. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. Um, speaking of reference. Intentional or not, uh, her mom is played by the mom from Back to the Future and Gremlins. That's where I recognized her. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. was heyday Amblin mom heyday in right. the eighties. Still getting those mom parts. I mean, her hair is like styled like the Gremlins mom. Yeah, um, it could be Mrs. Peltzer herself. <laughs> um, now my next note is um. The Linda Blair cameo, which uh-huh. you brought up. Um, that's the next day after school. Uh, ooh, um, Matthew Lillard says to her, you called him the Candyman or oh, something yeah. like that. Yeah, that was funny. Is that the most recent of the... It must be. Uh, references? It has to be, yeah. Pretty close. I was looking at the directors that apparently were considered for this movie. Robert oh. Rodriguez, oh. Danny Boyle, George Romero, and Sam Raimi. Hmm. I could see Raimi trying yeah. this. And then who is the second one? You Danny oh. Boyle. Yeah, I've never been a Boyle head. I think he would try to elevate this too much. Yeah, you know what would be the problem with both Robert Rodriguez 
and honestly, Sam Raimi and uh, uh, they, um, like I would know, but it just feels like they would br- the what you're saying, everything would be heightened a little yeah. bit and like plussed it in a way that too would, awkward. Yeah, um, I think about that a lot of times with it's just tough with comedy sometimes. Like you want it to look as theoretically, I'd like to be watching a comedy where it's beautiful and looks great. But a lot of times you'll watch something and like a cinematography trick gets in the way of the comedy. Yeah, that's right. So what the fuck are you going to do? I don't know. Unless you're Wes Anderson. I don't know. Yeah. Wesley Anderson. It's Wes. very interesting how he, he doesn't think that name is very cool, I guess, but I think Wesley is. Uh, Wes Anderson's Saw 4. <laughs> the most... 90s acting, I think it gets, is the hallway scene between uh, Nev Campbell and oh, Skeet Ulrich. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just the posture of Skeet Ulrich. <sighs> that oh, posture and when he Question holds up mark. his fingers oh, to show, God. like, I actually, I got out of jail this morning. And he oh. holds up the, like, oh. uh, inky fingertips. Oh, yeah. Said, but you didn't wash your hands? <laughs> Gross. It's permanent. Aren't you worried about COVID? What? Um, the uh, There's, it's maybe the most Kevin Williams line in this when she goes, I'm sorry if my traumatized life is an inconvenience to you and your perfect existence. Oh yeah. And what's really funny after she says that I have to, I'd like to think this is ad lib. You just hear Skeet Ulrich go, what? That's <laughs> <laughs> the only time I was on his side. He's like, what? what are you? Look, I know I'm a prick. But, but that even that like I don't I'm not even there. Rubs me the wrong way, yeah. Sid. Um, you only see a corner of it, but over his shoulder in that scene um, is like an REM reading poster, oh, like one of those oh, like yeah. hey we're REM reading Read. books. I only remember the Yoda one. <laughs> I remember the Yoda one because I remember the font. It's like again, it's like the serif like. Times New Roman or Palatino or something. Do they make it like it looks Star Warsy or it looks it's, not the read? Just right, yeah. But it, I think it was it was either Yoda sitting on the log or the one where he's just kind of looking up into the sky. I forget. But it's funny because uh, we didn't even know about the ancient Jedi text by that point. No, and so what could he even read? Like, get I your grammar that. right first, Yoda, before you're telling us to read. <laughs> Very true. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Heal thyself, physician. (laughs) The one I remember most is, uh, I think it probably came out on the heels of this version of Hamlet came come out, the Zeffirelli one, but it's Mel Gibson, like a read poster where he's like reading Hamlet or something. Oh God, I would love to hang that up. That would be (laughs) so toxic. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, Mr. Culture. He he would pull pranks on the set of that Hamlet movie, like farting joke pranks. And <sighs> if you read the interviews with the other actors, you can tell they were just like, "What the fuck is happening here?" Like, I'm curious if that holds up because I actually remember really liking that Hamlet. Oh, cool. <laughs> Probably not. I wonder if it's good. Maybe you could do a double feature with that in the new um, Joel Cohen one. Oh, the, the oh, Denzel yeah, Washington. The, the Macbeth. Oh, yeah. the Macbeth. Yeah, yeah sorry. I'm dying to see that. I was thinking this, uh, maybe it'd be too much sugar, but a Scream scary movie double feature could be pretty fun for people if they ever wanted to do that. Oh, what, like Scream and... Scream and 
scary movie, the spoof. Oh yeah. That'd be like, maybe Oh, that'd fun. be a great day. Yeah, 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 I yeah. think those are made to go together. Yeah. yeah. Um, Winkler being mean, shocking, surprising. Winkler being mean. Uh, Winkler being mean. Then she goes into <laughs> the bathroom. Gotta love. I saw it in um, my favorite movie of the year, uh, 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 Licorice Pizza, the pink bubble soap containers oh, yeah. in high school. Yeah. And they were they had that really abrasive powder in it. Yes. Right? Or are you talking about the liquid ones? Well, there's liquid ones that yeah. had the like pink, yeah, came from a bulb. Yeah. And then, yes, the powder ones that it were was like. a lever and the powder was always just caked all over it. Sometimes it was closed And up. you would wet it to make it like mud for your hands. Yeah, right? but it was like an exfoliant. It was like grit. It felt like lava uh, or grit, gritty soap. Yeah, that orange soap. That I have some of that for like when I'm working on like a home project and I have like grease or like stain yeah. on my hands or something. It's way too abrasive for children. For hands. small little children. Unnecessary. And it looks like pow- pink powdered sugar. <laughs> Kids don't wash it. They eat it. Um, now this scene when they go into the bathroom here, Gourley, um, I know Kevin Williamson, a big inspiration for him was Heathers. Mm. And this feels the most Heathersy, where she's I've never seen Heathers. Oh brother. So fun. I want to. What I've a been blast. trying to watch it. Uh some genuine laugh out loud. Okay. Uh but the line here with the like stuck up cheerleader goes like but she found out two teen suicide is out this year and homicide is a much more productive form of expression yeah. or something like that. That's like a Heather's line. Okay. Uh, but um, uh, the when they leave, I felt like the most nightmare on Elm Streety feeling sequence was when she was in the bathroom alone and the vents like turned on. Yeah. And then like kind of a weird, for the first time ever, I heard somebody whisper Sydney. Yes, but she, I, I heard n- that too. can't believe I never, oh, you've never heard. That. You've never. I've watched this movie twenty times, and I've never heard the Sydney whisper. Oh. What's going on? Oh. Got to get my ears checked. Yeah, I'm worried about you, friend. If you could even hear this, <laughs> what? <laughs> See, <laughs> everything's fine. Um. Also, um, that ending part when it's a little talk about the goofy stunts stuff when she like slides out of the well, they do bathroom. like a double roll. Yeah, he lunges at her. She goes down on her back, and she flips him over. But then she goes one more time over him. I mean, it's a true like acrobatic year, like like the Zhen Yun tumbling acrobats from Shanghai are visiting your town. <gasps> oh my gosh! If every uh, uh, tumbling act was like, now we have to dress up as Sydney and Ghostface for this to be contemporary. <laughs> every kid's going to expect it. I I mean, I thought I was sick of doing it as Mary Lou Retton all this time, but. <laughs> I said you with my high school, uh, uh, you know, after prom party hypnotist. He would uh, have people say when they were hypnotized, just whatever the flavor of the month catchphrase oh, was. Of course. And I remember somebody just stood up, apropos of nothing, going, You killed Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> The thing was, we did it. Comedy Central wasn't part of our cable subscription. Only kids who had satellite TV out in farms and stuff. Oh. You'd go to their house to watch South Park. Oh, wow. So most people didn't understand oh the reference. Oh, my God. So you just see like uh, a girl going like, you killed Kenny. And it's like, what? Most people were like, huh? 
Oh, God. That depends on what the meaning of is is. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I knew Senator Ken. Now, the next scene with the. <laughs> Yeah, some girl stands up and he's like, you, sir, or no, John F. Kennedy. <laughs> or is it Jack Kennedy? That's be. how close of friends he was. Tip a canoe and Tyler, too. <laughs> uh, the, uh, uh, then you got your Gale and Dewey scene. Yeah. One interesting thing, I think Rose McGowan calls Dewey Doofy. And that's the name of the spoof character in scary movies. Oh, Names like wow. Do- Deputy Doofy. Okay, now that's one step too far. Do your own work, scary movie. That's right. I smell a lawsuit. It's not parody if you're taking it. But hey, Gorley, could you feel those real sparks in the Courtney Cox? Is this where David it happened? Or, this is where it all happened on this set. And you can down see it. Each other, yeah. You can see in that scene. Yeah, I think so. And the reason it works is like it's like when reality becomes movie or whatever like the whole thing's based on hey this smoke show of a woman mm-hmm. is making this little dweeb feel like top of the world well, yeah. isn't that how everybody the lens we looked at those two actors that's right yeah. that's why it's perfect not since Lyle Lovett and Julia Roberts <laughs> it is one of the jewels of the Scream franchise that we get to have is is the these characters' relationship? I'm looking forward. To I really it. love it. Oh, good. And in the way that this movie is so much lightning in a bottle, like with the zeitgeist, if this movie had come out, you know, they make jokes in like Gremlins two and and uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Six has these like little in jokes, but they weren't catching on. It took like right time, yeah. right place with the right actors, and this is just another one of those. Lightning in the bottle things. It's like, oh, these two actors, they got married and had kids. It's like Tom and Nicole in Eyes Wide Shut. You could feel it. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, the um, school gets called off for the curfew. Yeah, naturally. How awesome would that be? No school because there's a serial killer. Oh, my mixed feelings there. <laughs> Mixed like feelings. the most extreme case of mixed feelings. <laughs> Did you ever get like school canceled outside of anything outside of weather? Like the Whittier earthquake, we oh. got to go home. That was optional. I think you could go home if your parents pick you up that day. If your parents died in the earthquake, you could have them pick you, <laughs> you up. You could go to their go. service, but it had to be that day. Same day service. Um, yeah, that was a big day. Uh, I think that's it. The thing that I felt like was most true was when she arrives at the school after Drew Barrymore has been dead. I had a couple of those days where you'd show up and the vibe is different. And then you'd be like, oh, somebody died in a car accident last night or something. Yeah. and it. But the thing I found false is no one would teach those days. You'd be in class, but they would be kind of like, let's remember that person or – Unless there was some teacher that, like, I can't deal with emotions. Yeah, two things are kind of baffling about this movie. The way life moves on sort of too easily after deaths. And she says her dad is going to leave for the weekend. But then there's, like, two more days where they're at school. So is this, like... Mm, What's his dad's secret life? Maybe he is the killer. But it also seems like the day that they get off... That the, the curfew should be, like, Saturday. It doesn't like really makes like he leaves and he's going to come back on Monday. Oh. 
Maybe he left on a Thursday. I don't know. I can't do the it's math right now. And we'll never know because he doesn't show up anymore. Oh, he does, but it limited. Oh, man. In <laughs> <laughs> uh, limited amounts. Um, then, um, oh, the other thing that I was going to say is uh, Wes Craven's really good about the like, hey, parents, you're the ones who are wrong about this yeah. because of you. That kind of appears a little bit mm-hmm. because Sydney's influenced by her mom she later says like i'm afraid to I, which i thought was like really cool she's like i'm afraid to have sex because i'm afraid i'd be like my mom mm. it's like that's the best explanation for a virginity thing in this movie that i could well, expect afraid how that she's gonna be i think like, it'd be like what if i have the scarlet letter of adultery deep inside oh. me and once i have the taste of sex like my mom does i go crazy that's funny that adultery is genetic not sex drive, but like, <laughs> uh, I don't think it's genetic maybe. Um, but I do think it's learned. Yeah. That's don't you I mean. think people who oh, like witness their think. parent yeah. cheating, like has much more. Yeah, probably. Um, that's why, um, uh, that kid who saw his mom kiss Santa Claus, like he like slept with the tooth fairy. He slept with the Easter bunny. I slept with it. He had a Saint big hole. Patrick. Oh, well, we also find out that that turns people into killers, though, too. Right. You see your mom kiss Santa Claus. Yeah, arguably a little worse. <laughs> uh, th- oh, the reason I bring that up, though, is the fact that, like, Ski Ulrich or uh, uh, Stu, his, his dad's just out of town. Her yeah. dad's out of town. Right. It does. I mean, I know it's like a plot thing, but it, yeah. it also feels a little bit like, oh, they're in these big expensive houses with like All right. negligent parents. Yeah. Um, and that must mean his dad's divorced or something. If his mom's not even in the picture, uh, the, um, then Craven showing up as dressed up as Freddie. You yeah. mentioned that. Do you, I think that is maybe when the movie winks the most. It's, you could walk that one back. That's take a look at yourself in the mirror and take off one of your accessories. I think that's the one. <laughs> Yes. You know, yes. Those are the earrings that are too gaudy. <laughs> that is so well said. I wish every movie after like when they think the edit is done, they yeah. go like, let's step back. Let's yeah. take off one earring here. Uh, but um, yeah, because it's if you don't get it, it's just then kind of odd. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And his name's Fred. Did you hear that little like yeah. slip in when he's walking off? He's like, thanks, Fred. Yeah. Is it just the coincidence thing or are they actually implying like this is the guy that's going to go on to become Freddy Krueger who's working at a high school? (laughs) Oh, well, with this kind of reference thing, I just... It should be said he did just make new nightmare. That was yeah. the which was pretty meta, meta, right? So it's not a real meta kick, this guy. Yeah, metamucil. I'm gonna <laughs> get that out of your system with some metamucil. Um, <laughs> love that close up of Ghostface in um, Henry Winkler's eyeball. Yeah, the reflection that was good. Very cool. Very good. Um, then it goes to schools out. Yeah, getting cranked. They mentioned Richard Gere, Wes Carpenter. Um, actually, really love that scene between um, Nev Campbell and uh, Rose McGowan there. Yeah, because yeah. um, it's all about like it's the moment when I mean, overall, I love the mystery, not just of the who done it, but like who is Sydney's mom? What's this? It's unfolded in such a great way, and then I love this scene with her because. 
you start to see Nev Campbell start to like question whether her the story she believes about her mom. And so that's what mm-hmm. I think is really cool when Billy does reveal, yeah, I killed your mom because she, she like not only does she have to accept like, oh, my boyfriend's a psychopath, but it's also like in that moment she's accepting like the truth about her mom. Right. Um Yeah, that was something you didn't see much in movies. Yeah, and also just the the focus on her virginity is way more than any other slasher movie. I mean, they do it because they make it a rule. And so it's the thing they have to, and I think it's, I remember when I saw this, when she has sex, I was like, I lost her virginity. I was surprised. Yeah. Uh, But um, the way they like, so, I mean, I just said, I like the explanation, but it's such a focus in this movie that it kind of bums me out. Cause it's like, well, it's not really in Halloween. It never comes up. It's sort of like she doesn't have a boyfriend like the other girls, but it's not because she's... It's more lore. You can't really point to one film that made that happen. It's more just a lore thing. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, as we've proven, I mean, like, I love the part when he lists those rules, but as we've made it clear on this podcast before, Gorley, that's not always the case. No. It's not always the rules. I like Rose McGowan a lot. I think I'd actually prefer her to be the Sydney. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Somebody with a little more uh, spunk. Yeah. And I wouldn't put Nev in the is her what's her character's name? Amy? Sydney? No, the uh, Rose McKenna. Oh, golly golly. It's golly golly. <laughs> Boochus so, Boochus. Golly golly. No Boochus golly golly. Dojeet Dolly Wall. Uh yeah. Uh but you're not saying then swap those roles, no. right? You just maybe don't like Nev Campbell. I'm not the I, biggest Nev head I either. I like her. As a, like she's very genial and pleasant, but right. uh, there's just always a little something wanting for me. I'm not, I don't love her act. Yeah. 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 Um, but she's great as Sydney. Yeah. Um, then it goes to the video store, which I think is my favorite scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, when good. Randy and Stu are talking about like who's the suspect, who's the number one suspect. Yeah. And what I love about the movie, that the scene, if you pause the movie, this is exactly the conversation the audience would be having at that oh, really? moment. But it's now happening on screen at the uh, same time. It's really fun. That's pretty great. And um my favorite line in the whole movie is in this scene where the person comes up to Randy and goes, what's that um, werewolf movie with E.T.'s <laughs> yeah. mom? Yeah. Les- my wife, Leslie, and I, we reference that all the time. <laughs> it's such a funny way people describe movies. Yeah. A werewolf movie with E.T.'s mom. Yeah. <laughs> Doubly funny because she's not. She's the mom from E.T. She's not the mother <laughs> of E.T. That. So that's always so funny, too. It's like the werewolf movie with the mother of E.T. <laughs> and then the final kind of like, huh, is E.T. with Drew Barrymore. Yeah. So there's a little right. bit of a wormhole. Yeah. This movie's going to bend in on itself. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I know that there's a lot of, should we just talk about the Lillard? Cause I know he's pretty heavy in that video store scene. Yeah. That. And then really the final scene is that one's, I do like the mom and dad line. I think that's great, yeah. but it's just his, he's just verging on what feels like a conscious gotta be at Jim Carrey level rubber faced eyes. It feels very Jim Carrey. 
He's someone that actually is like, I guess like Jim Carrey too, where you're kind of like, oh, you've got it. You're talented. You're funny. You don't need to do this extra mm. 108%. You know, just give it about 50% of what you're doing and it'll really work, you know? But think of it like the guys that age were impersonating like Jim Carrey. Was, Do you think he just kind of was- epidemic at the time. Yes. It was. And I think that's why part of the reason I didn't like this movie as much as I should have when I first saw it, because I just immediately lumped it in that category of, I, I just really did not like Jim Carrey at that time. I don't know why. Um. Oh, and so by not liking Jim Carrey going like, oh, this guy kind of has his fingerprints uh, yeah. on something I don't even like. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I still don't care for Jim Carrey. <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> are you really saying that or are you kidding, Matt? It's blasphemy, I know. <laughs> what? It's blasphemy, I know. Uh, I know, I know. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, God, this- I do like lament a little bit, like not to say I love... Jim Carrey and his movies. I mean, I they knocked me out when I saw them. I do lament, speaking of the Wes Anderson earlier, the Wes Anderson-fication of comedy. Yeah. Everything's just a little too dry, a little too small. It's just extremes. You get like... I think it would be really funny to see... Give me some Ace Ventura, Austin Powers uh, level of uh, characterization and in acting. West, yeah. In, Not in a Wes Anderson movie, would, just in comedy, in movies. Oh. It's just like non-existent right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I think both of them are too extreme and I, I like them. I just like a comedy being a comedy. Like, give me... I think I like broad comedies, but I'd like when even as broad as it is, something's played for truth mm-hmm. Belie- mm-hmm. like the character feels believable and I, I guess I think that's why Dumb and Dumber is my favorite of his yeah, because I, it's I like that one yeah it's a heightening of recognizable human behavior whereas like with Pet Detective it's like oh I know the guy who's always trying to figure out crimes with pets yeah yeah. even that one I could I remember liking Okay, I think it was right after that one it's like the diminishing returns of just this is all we're gonna get from this guy and then when he went so serious it was so melodramatic I couldn't buy it either way. Yeah, the um, to bring it back to what we were talking about, the he had a hard time coming up with new Funko Pops, <laughs> right? Like people are like, okay, we got you need to come up with a new Funko or what's it called? Funko? Yeah, no, you're okay, right. Okay. And there's never been more of a human Funko Pop than Jim Carrey. <laughs> people just did like the new Funko Pop he yeah. came out. The 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 matinee Funko Pop oh, was my. it very beloved and the oh, number twenty seven, the, the majestic. The Majestic Matinee is a beautiful movie. I've never seen that. That's right. We talked about. Uh, that. But uh, yeah, the Majestic is um, the number thirteen Funko Pop. Number twenty seven. Number twenty seven. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, I have like a few. I have twenty seven <laughs> Funko Pops of number twenty seven Jim Carrey. Uh, I don't know if this is true. I've heard a, like a couple, like Norm Macdonald referenced it. Apparently, Jim Carrey's dad said to him. When he was doing dramatic roles, this is serious. Like, you're the funniest person on the planet right now. Why do you want to be like the 16th best dramatic actor? Wow. But it's true. Yeah, I agree. I You could ask that of every, with the exception of maybe Adam Sandler, yeah. who like when he does dramatic stuff, I'm like, right on. This is awesome. Anybody else like Steve Martin and like 
I'm yeah. just kind of like, oh, I like you being the jerk. Yeah, I know. But it's tough. Does anybody want to see like a seven-year-old man dressed up as Ace Ventura, though? That's also no, and because like, challenge. Yeah, when he started doing the Pink Panther movies, you you do. Oh, Steve Martin. Of, yeah, yeah. kind of go. Oh, the wacky times. Maybe, maybe let's put those up on this show. So, do you have to just like be W.C. Fields, where you're introduced as like an old cranky man, and you can just like ride that out? I don't know. I mean, I. I, you know, I for the Three Stooges this, or the crowd, but the only murders in the building was felt like a really good place for Steve Martin and Martin Short to be acting wise. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. I haven't regardless seen regardless of but... what you say about the show itself. I mean, yeah, I liked it fine. It really felt like neither of they felt really well put in those. It was nice. To, I hadn't seen anything in a while with Steve Martin that Me felt neither. like yeah. this is where you belong. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing him in Baby Mama and oh. thinking like, wow, they wrote Steve Martin a really funny part in a funny movie. Oh, that's and funny. like, uh, he's also really funny in, um, the Looney Tunes movie. Which one? And that Looney. helps cause it's goofy and, and in Baby Mama it's goofy too. Uh, the, uh, Looney Tunes back in action, the Joe Dante one. When was that made? 2003. Oh, I never see. But it's seen. him playing like a goofy big character okay. so um yeah uh now who, who knows well well when we see the new scream movie will Ghostface see aged well it's probably <sighs> a different ghost face so it's not gonna be it's gonna be timothy chalamet do they ever say lillard's definitely dead in part two yes i didn't know if maybe scream five there could be a surprise i was wondering that Matthew too because yeah like i don't know what's gonna happen but yeah skeet took a bullet to the head <laughs> lillard is just stabbed and then eventually kind of passes bleeds out, out or right? something yeah, but he could out. be i mean they brought dewey he was gonna die and they shot it both ways and didn't know is that true with randy as well it seems like it. I didn't read that, but it sure seems like it. They it even seem There's to make a, a reference of... to it where he goes, she goes, you're alive. He's like, I know it seems like I should be dead, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's not even in pain. Um, Randy definitely makes sense that he should continue living on. Cause he's the voice of these movies. Yeah, he's uh, like the Greek chorus. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, would you want to go see a Greek play without that chorus? No way, dude. No way, man. Uh, now the, um, uh, Uh, okay, okay, okay. Three okays. Um, oh, um, just a when when they're having a conversation that the audience would be having at, at the same time. That's when I feel like it's the movie at a perfect balance of meta ness because because it is theoretically what people would be talking about in that experience. And it's what people in the audience are asking. So like it never tips over into, yeah, it got the audience there, but also brought them there. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. (laughs) Without a doubt. Um, I love that in that scene, he goes, there's a formula to it, a very simple formula. He's like so upset. Like when people don't follow the reminds me of me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when I'm like, why wouldn't they have a sunset shot in their horror movie? <laughs> um, and then uh, another kind of bad Kevin Williams. And he, uh, I mean, if I wrote the script, I would be happy for the rest of my life. Yeah. But she says, he thinks I'm sexually anorexic. 
Oh, yeah. That stuff is so bad. In so many ways. Yeah. I, <laughs> right. Um, and then there's eventually a part, part where boots mean killer. So when they panned out on the cops, the sheriff's yeah, feet. There's a red herring. Yeah. Yeah. Boots I like mean. it when you could just get it down to like boots mean killer. Yeah. Now this house party begins. I think a house party under curfew with, is a great setting yeah. for the ending of a horror movie. Um, but they're pulling up though. There's a song that's like, say a prayer for the youth of America. Jesus Christ. It's like typical. That was all you were hearing on the radio. Is this the best horror house party since Halloween resurrection? <laughs> well, uh, to bring it all back to this kind of weird references and stuff. Remember two characters are dressed like Pulp Fiction? Yeah. yeah. yeah that's all I can remember. <laughs> that was their attempt to be, that's like an idiot trying to be like scream. So I guess somebody would be dressed up with. Uh, yeah. And every time I think about that, I have to remind myself that that character, the white guy dressed as Samuel Jackson is actually not wearing blackface, <laughs> but feels like I'm surprised they didn't do it. Yeah. Somehow. You're like, it, this seems like the movie that would yeah. unquestionably do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I noticed for the first time Stu asks Rose McGowan to get beers mm-hmm. um, so she's alone in the garage yeah took me a while took me a oh, while you're saying he's setting her up for that yeah I, yeah I didn't uh, put that like together. I would just kind of think like oh he's the boy, dick boyfriend who's yeah. like get me a beer yeah that's but he's thought. the dick dick boyfriend yeah. he's like saying get me a beer murderer. yes and a murderer. Um, I love the discussion of Jamie Lee Curtis movies here just yeah. like the they mentioned prom night and terror train yeah. Halloween terror all the movies train, all the movies uh, we haven't talked about prom night yet but soon. I'm so excited I've never yeah. seen it yeah I saw it once hardly remember anything um now, we'll talk about our, our respective prom nights on that podcast too. Beautiful. That would be great prom themes. Yeah. Where we ate. Um Okay, now we're at the garage kill sequence. Quite the sequence, huh? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um what a kill. Yeah. It's um the most slashery, I feel like the this movie the yeah. scream gets because I love that close up of her head getting like bent in, but like yeah. that's you just don't see uh practical stuff from the mid nineties like yeah. that. And then henceforth or since then you don't see as much. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, and also just as so like crazy and wild seeing her body hang from the garage door. I know I didn't want her to die. I would say with all these characters, the fact that like they kept Dewey and Randy around, like, it's a real testament to this movie of how much you like yeah, the characters. That's true. And they're bummed. You're bummed out when they go. And there's not that many deaths actually. Yeah. It's pretty, uh, uh, sparing that, uh, she has some pretty good lines. Like, um, when she's trying to get him to stop, she goes, cut Casper. That's a wrap. <laughs> she's so glib. And then, uh, and that's the glibness that scary movies puts right in its crosshairs with that sequence. That's what I'm talking oh, about. Yeah. But the other one I like is when she goes, when he's walking out to her and she goes, what is this? I spit on your garage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She's a real working knowledge Spitfire. of classic horror. Yes. She should talk to Randy. Well, when Billy kind of reveals himself, I know his first line is like, I was watching the exorcist at home and I wish it was the R rated version. So, but like, 
once you find out Billy's the killer, he's making poor movie references left and right. It's like, Billy, I didn't know you were such a cinetist. Oh, I didn't want to make you think I was a killer. That's true. He's been withholding all these great references he wanted to yeah. make because he was like, oh, he's I don't just want. like, just clenching his fists in his teeth the whole time. I could out Randy's such a fucking poser. <laughs> the um well when he says um but this is life or she says but this is life it isn't a movie and he goes life is one big movie. Oh. You just gotta pick a genre. Oh god. Okay that's when it's bad. Yeah. That's when it's not good. Uh, now my next favorite scene is the intercutting when Randy's explaining the rules uh-huh. you can't have sex yes. you can't drink don't say I'll be right back and um, and then kind of in a weird way when he goes later when he's like oh now here's the obligatory tit shot and then it cuts to the movie and it doesn't happen in Scream yeah uh, it's like um, uh not following its own rules. Not that I want it to. I'm just saying. But the, you're assuming it happened. You just don't see it, right? Because they cut to... Yeah. 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 Um, and now, the, That is some restraint. I have to hand it to this movie. You'd think of all times that they would actually be going through with that. But I wonder if that's Wes Craven's, like, I don't need to play. Yeah. I guess... Sandbox. Maybe, right, the fact that she doesn't die... After they have sex, although I've never seen a more kempt couple post sex than those no two, kidding. like perfect hair and makeup. Uh, yeah, they like better. You know that rule of like leave a place better than when you got there. <laughs> <laughs> I do like kind of the like heightened horror though of like the experience of losing your virginity to somebody, and you're just in a particular place of vulnerability where you might a curtain might have dropped enough over your eyes that you see the person for who they really are. So like after she oh, slept yeah, with yeah. them, she's like, wait a minute, are you a fucking creep? You it's are. such a, like a dead on. <laughs> are you a poor man's Johnny Depp who actually is pretty off putting and <laughs> am I in danger? <laughs> I've heard of Don Juan DeMarco played by Johnny Depp, but Don Juan DeMarc me up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> what? Don Juan to Johnny Darko. <laughs> Juani Darko? Uh, I love the 40 second delay. Yes, conceit. I have that down. That maybe is my favorite little moment outside of the Drew Barrymore thing. That Because you even actually, I think you even figure out what's about to happen to him before it happens, but in a way that's so fun. Like, yeah, oh, oh, yeah. just like split second. You, you, yeah, that's great. And I think it's partly the cleverness of the movie that it's bringing in this element of people watching a horror movie. Yeah. So he's going like, look behind you, look behind you. And then he steps out of the van, the, the yeah. camera guy, and gets his throat slit. Yeah. Um, and then all this stuff with it getting timed with the Halloween score and stuff oh, is yeah. all really cool too. Yeah. That's like where I think... Um, uh, as much as this movie captured like a zeitgeist, they're like really, I feel that this movie's fairly timeless, but I hear what yeah. you're saying. Like so. the Halloween, the pop culture references don't like, it was basically like diner and reservoir dogs were the only movies I ever saw where people like actually mm. talk about 
yeah. other movies. It's just like, yeah, anybody doing a movie prior to that, you don't want to acknowledge other movies because it made yours seem less real somehow or something. Good point. I never, yeah. I think this scene, this sequence with the Halloween score and that little 30 second delay, that this is the peak of the movie for me. Like it never gets better. Than yeah. This. When I took a step away from screen movie, the, watching the first one for a while and let it f- forget like about 10 years ago and I rewatched it, this, that whole section of surveillance delay with Halloween score was like really blew me yeah. away. I was like, wow, this movie is really cool. Um, the, uh, the, um, Sorry. I am impressed with the economy of getting all the other house party guests to go away, but there's yeah. part of me that would like to just seal montage of them Kills. getting killed. Yeah. You and have them like, there, you might as well, you know, have yeah. some fun. Also, the way they get rid of it is like drunk teenagers hopping in cars and speeding away. Well, I also want to see that movie too, where they're going to try to find... Find Henry Winkler's body. Yes. <laughs> um, the, um... Like what students love their principal that way. <laughs> Um, it is funny when after Randy says the rules and they cut to Courtney Cox and the cameraman watching him, she goes like, boring. <laughs> yeah. Right. This won't play on the current affair. Yeah. Uh, okay. So then another running up the stairs movie. Um, I love the. The peak of this might be, yeah, when Randy's getting snuck up on and he's telling the TV that there's somebody behind him oh, and yeah. doesn't see that. That's very clever. Oh, if you like the um, Halloween sequence, though, there's a really great um, in Into the Night, this John Landis movie, where Jeff Goldblum goes and tries to, into a killer's apartment and it's like this lavish penthouse apartment and each TV... In the in every room is playing Abbott Costello versus Frankenstein. Oh wow! And they start doing a thing where a fight breaks out, and the score of the Abbott Costello movie is scoring the fight. Oh and the wow! Thing. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, anything? So then, uh, yeah, I feel like the movie kind of peaks there. I like how wild and crazy the stabbing stuff is, but it's. I like it's that. not as, as exciting as the stuff right before it, but I do yeah. like that makes it more of a um, boundary pushing movie. Like a scene like this at the end where it's kind of like two boys are psychotic and stabbing each other is just yeah. a way more inventive ending than if they just did the as much as I like the standard slasher ending. But having all those people around, I got to say, it's not, it, that's what makes it less scary too. But there's does. so many people alive still when she's getting chased around. There's a lot of times where she can kind of just like leave the house and like come back. I mean, I like the scene with the, when she runs out of the van, she rolls up the window and he shows the oh. keys. And so he can start toying with her. That's perfect. It. That was great. Really awesome. And then the hatch opens up in the back. Yes. You're right. But to have two guys in a really brightly lit kitchen, just spilling out their motivation, yeah. there's no mystery left. No is there evil? It just, it was all, yeah, that part for some reason. It's funny. It's a funny twist on like the psycho penultimate scene where they explain why Norman Bates is psycho and everybody goes like, Oh, that's such a shitty way to end psycho. Like I do like how this ends. Like I really like the reveal and the twist and like that it is two people instead of one. Um, And uh, I do, I've come around 
on the Matthew Lillard. I like it the first time I saw it. It did become too grating. And now I I think it's a very brave <laughs> when he's like, uh, okay, baby, and like yeah. spits flying out. I'm oh, like, well, yeah. he's just going for it. That's for sure. <laughs> he's definitely making something out of a part that my understanding was didn't have much to it. Well, and to your point that he's like what you said with, he's like Jim Carrey, he's obviously talented. This sometimes true with some of the actors in the Brat Pack where you go like, it's almost unfortunate that they got painted with the yeah. brush of they're a teen movie actor. Because I do think, I mean, Matthew Lillard's had really great performance in the Twin Peaks series and the Descendants and stuff. Like, And he was in Bosch. The Amazon series. He's like a. Is he Bosch's buddy? He's like a kind of like liaison. I think he's Homeland Security or FBI, and he'll come in from time to time. And he's just super reserved. He's middle aged now. It looks great. <laughs> he's not like, hey, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a piece in the sh- sh- shield. <laughs> um, um, Oh, I do like the Billy tricking them, though, with blood. That seems like to be a continued, like, ooh, you can't believe your eyes. Um, the stab sounds, too, are really great. They sound yeah. like psycho stabs. Yeah. Um, really cool part when the Halloween score comes in, they keep, like, topping it, where... Now it's not just the Halloween score. They'll also have the Scream score playing with it and kind of like a oh, mashup. I didn't notice that, really? When, oh, that's cool. When Billy's walking down and before Sid jumps out dressed up as Ghostface, they oh. start doing that, which is cool. Marco Beltrami. Hey, Beltrami, good work. That's I did John like, Carpenter. Yeah, uh, hey, I like the additions you made. <laughs> I love when Sydney got the voice box and called them. That was great. That was cool. The costume was a little bit much for me. Like, why is she wearing the costume? Yes. And also, um, the biggest ask of the movie, I think, is that voice box thing. Yeah. And it becomes a bigger and bigger ask and issue in the rest of these movies. I got to see albatross of the franchise. They just, it's, it's like the masks in the mission impossible movies at some point where it just becomes too convenient to a point where like believability goes out the window. Okay. Kind of a bummer. Yeah. And like, so when I see the boxes come out here, I'm kind of already like, Oh, interesting. Even when I saw it as a kid though, I think it took me, I'm like, they're really selling it, so I guess I'll buy it. But do boxes like that really exist? I mean, I think there was something like that. Could they disguise it that well, though, that you wouldn't notice like your boyfriend and his friend? No, I don't think so, because you'd also hear the actual voice along with it. (laughs) Of course. If you have it up to the phone. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Just say that's a pretty amazing piece of uh, technology that that they got there. Um. Now, ooh, love that part when Sid puts her finger yeah. in Billy's like yeah. bullet hole. Yeah, don't like the gun at the end. No, never do. Why having a slasher movie? It's so you don't need it. Non-creative you and really convenient. Don't need it. Um. Uh. Uh. But. Pardon me for being inappropriate, but you know, like how they say in a slasher within Halloween, like when she gets the, n- oh, when Michael Myers is stabbing, yeah, it's kind of like 
Michael Myers is a virgin. He was so freaked out by his sister having sex. Then he got put away. So the knife is his penis. Yeah. He's trying to like stab people. He's trying to have sex with these girls, but can't. Um, I did think like, if you think of Halloween as the movie that inspired this, there is something like pretty right on that like Cindy just sticks her fucking finger in oh, like a bloody hole purpose. in that's her boyfriend's purpose. chest. He's yeah. like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. That's on purpose. Do you thought so? No, I think it is. There's something I read about that being like, that's her revenge for all this taking her virginity and, but under it false works, man. Pretenses. Yeah. It's great. And you love it. You love Billy yeah. getting his, and yeah. getting a finger stuffed in his hole. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, now that's, uh, if for me, I think the last, um, if, if you're looking at how this movie is kind of like a nineties, like ironic tongue in cheek or whatever, uh, it's funny. I do feel like this is a move that a lot of nineties movies do where it's like so insincere through the whole movie. And at the very end, both the movie and the characters like learn sincerity so at the end like when gail's like the sun's coming up and she's like now i'm a serious reporter and this is no longer about uh exploiting people's pain yeah. I'm, a, I'm gonna win the pulitzer Do you know why it feels this is probably the most gen x movie we've watched so far uh -huh. but it feels like still the boomers run the studio and they're telling you like the type of, I don't know how old Kevin Williamson is. No, either. Kevin Williamson's a Gen Xer and Harvey Weinstein's a boomer. Yeah, yep. it does feel like there's like, in the end, the boomers get to wrap it up, you know? Yeah, it is. That's such a great way of putting it because it's like, um, we'll give you the illusion mm -hmm. that you're behind the wheel here. That's fine. Fun. Yeah, that was the whole, right? that's the whole being raised by boomers as a Gen X person, that was the whole feel of like, yeah, you go do your little slacker things and live your ways. And then at the end, it was still like, but be home by 11. You know? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Did I tell you how um, Inherent Vice that I feel like is about like this sort of Gen X baby boomer thing, the, uh, even though the main character is uh, a hippie a boomer but you can see he's kind of falling out with what the hippie movement becomes but there's a part where um oh i read this paul thomas anderson coffee table book that was really great and they made a point that like in most conspiracy movies when the conspiracy is laid out to the person it's met with like horror of like oh my god i had my fear but this does go all the way to the top in Inherent Vice, it is, um, it's like has a sad, melancholy reaction. When the person finds out, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. I figured as much. That's probably the case. Like, why did I ever think? Like, so just you say that also made me think, like, oh, that's a very kind of like, uh, yeah, Gen X thing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm not surprised that I there's know. a conspiracy. I'm just kind of bummed out yeah. that you weren't telling me about it. That's yeah. <laughs> like every time you hear like a preacher's. Uh, like assaulting young parishioners or something. Mm -hmm. Oh, big another one. I'm only surprised that it's just so cliche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As a, Hey, as a person raised in the Catholic church, I got lots of feelings that are yeah. negative about 
those people. That's really kind of the worst thing. It's like, you know, conservative politicians, not always just conservative, but usually, you know, just the projecting and all that. Yeah. You're just like, oh, again, that's the only thing is how can it be any more? <laughs> I thought we called out this, this playbook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you want to do best kill? Sure. Um, what's your best kill? I think I got to go Drew Barrymore because it's such a shock, but honorable mention to Rose McGowan's cleverness of the, the doggy door. I didn't even consider Drew Barrymore one. That's Ooh. how did I not think of that? And it was a fight between Rose McGowan and then this one, but I think this one won out just cause I feel like it is really clever and feels like a very scream type death is the guy. The camera guy watching the thing and oh, going, right, that is, look behind oh. you, look behind you. And then he comes out and then this hand just comes out of nowhere and the kill is pretty good. It's like a real slasher level neck slit. You know what? You've charmed me. I'm going W. Earl Brown as well. Oh my gosh. Penny the cameraman. With the, with the, yeah, what's his? With the giant head. Yeah, with the giant head. <laughs> and then out of 13. Um, hey. 13 for me, baby. Okay. This is the first time I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this with the on the caveat that I'm going to revisit this rating. Yes. Which but, is a good caveat because we've learned later. Yeah. Because yeah. I think it's going to go up in my esteem. Yeah. But right now I'm a 10. Perfect. Okay. I am really, really excited. to. I'm almost more excited to see the sequels because I have no idea where they yeah. go. I remember en- enough about the original. Yeah. So I mean, I don't want to build curious. up Scream 2 too much, but it's yeah. a hoot. It's okay, really good. fun. I love it. And, um, much like uh, Back to the Future Part 2 or something like that, where the sequel like kind of went beyond what you thought it could. Yeah. It inadvertently for a while was my favorite Scream. I was like, Scream 2 Ooh. is the best. But remember the thing I told you about 10 years ago when I rewatched Scream and I was like, whoa, that was pretty good. That's when it went back to number one. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm excited. And uh, we'll be back next week with just that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And we'll have a stream two probably during that time, right? Two and streams. stream three, stream four, and stream 2022. Can't wait. <laughs> we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. For more Gorley and Rust content, Head over to patreon.com slash with Whirly and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early. Plus, monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash with Gourley and Rust. Email us at withgourleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gourley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Whirly, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.